Good to have you here on 3 and Out on this Tuesday. So much to get to on the show. We're talking a lot of baseball, a lot of football, a lot of golf. On the show is uh, stuff going on all across the sports landscape. Uh, Grand Coffee, uh, Dog Sports will join us coming up in just a little bit. We'll get a uh, very latest from Georgia Spring Practice. Also, uh, we will chat with uh, Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. We'll look at the latest on spring practice. Also, former uh, Glenn and Brunswick quarterback, uh, now Georgia baseballer Randy Jurgen, now apparently going through the practices uh, with the football team there in spring practice. So we'll talk to him about that. A lot of golf to get to. Rich Styles, Bob Herrick going to join us. Has a lot of talk about Tiger Woods. Could he play the Masters? And Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, going to join us. And we'll look at the, the upcoming season, which begins in a little bit more than a week. But, fellas, it started going nuts the Tiger Tracker, his plane is on a tarmac in Augusta. Is he going to play the Masters? Uh, I know the Masters put out a list of former champions who were not participating last week. Tiger's name was not on it. People started freaking out. Now he shows up a week before the Masters, just playing a little practice round. He hasn't been ruled out of the Masters. Do you think he's playing? Of course, oh, I, I think he's going to play Kevin for this reason, this reason alone. When people start thinking, oh, a guy like Tiger Woods, he don't care about making a grand interest lies. Yes, he does. Tiger Woods, man, he's done all, he's done everything that can be done in uh, in golf. He's the face of golf. He don't care about, you know, like, uh, you know, trying to be able to, like, upstage everybody. Of course he does. So, for all those reasons, because Kevin, think about this. It doesn't matter what he does. Like, he doesn't have to win it. Right, he just has to show up and play because he know. Because sometimes, like like Tom Brady, Tom Brady, I'm done. Game is giving me all it can give me. I mean, I love all my teammates. Lies, <laughs> right? He because he knew he was coming back. And how does he do it? Out there talking with Cristiano Ronaldo. He says Cristiano Ronaldo just they just happen to have the mic up when he says you're done, right? No, I'm not done. And people just you know pandemonium crazy. Tiger Woods polarizes. Of course he's gonna come back. Why not? If you are a golfer. When do I want to make my grand entrance? I don't know. The Masters is when I'm going to do it. Tom Brady, when I'm going to make my when I'm going to make my fake you know come out of retirement in the offseason, man. Well, well, I did I did uh, you know make everybody think it's no Tiger Woods. We know you coming back, Tiger. We knew you was going to come back. And, and listen, and if and if our own Christian O'Kell say you're going to win it, you're going to win it because the last time Christian said he was going to win it. You know, BJ, me and you, he said it's gonna be the it's gonna be the final round. He's gonna come around the back nine. You're gonna see, you know, you're gonna see the looks on the guys that's paired with the faces. He's gonna walk away to the sunset with the dub, and he got that dub. Tiger Woods, look, man, I listen, I mean, I'm a little busy right now, I man. I'm gonna hit you up after the show, man. Just tell me where to meet you, man. I, I I'm gonna give you some tips. Lies, but he's gonna he's coming back. Yes. Seems like it. I mean, it sure seems like it. I know there would be a kind of a collective disappointment uh from from sports fans everywhere if you had all this news, all this hype, you know. First, here's his plane. The plane is coming to Augusta, and now here he is, practice rounds. And uh, as you said, the report of former Masters champions that aren't going to play, he's not on the list. I think there would be a lot of people really disappointed not to see Tiger Woods, one of the greatest athletes of all time, uh, come back for, for this tournament. And who knows? Ben, as you said, have a chance to contend, have a chance to win it. I don't think he would come back and play unless he felt like he was in a position to make a run at it. But, I mean, Kevin, you talk about just headlines all over the place you talk about uh breaking the internet you talk about just uh taking over from a headline standpoint Ben like you mentioned with the hype and the and the appeal I mean Tiger Woods and the Masters uh speculation you know for a couple of days for a couple of weeks 
But, right? I mean, are we interpreting this wrong? Does it seem like this is a step towards well, playing in the Masters? I mean, you're not showing up for the Champions Dinner a week early. Right? I mean, he's not making the menu. Oh. He's not the one that's you know, responsible for uh, deciding what gets prepared. Oh. He, he's just, there. like, why else would you be? There, there's a lot to read into it. And I'm not saying he is going to play, but why else would you be in Augusta a week before the Masters if you weren't at least thinking about playing. Yep. If you weren't going through the motions and saying, look, I'm going to get 18 in in Augusta. Let me see how And again, there'd my be body a letdown responds. if he doesn't. I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking uh-huh. at is, is, is what if Tiger Woods comes to Augusta, you know, does the, does the practice round, everybody's talking about him all over the internet, every sports show, news outlets, everything, and then he doesn't play, that would be a major disappointment. I, and who knows, again, we'll talk to uh, Bob here at Rich Styles, but to me, this is this is a sign that he's playing. I would imagine it is, and and, let, and let's just call it what it is. When you when I am the face of a sport, I don't want. I I get tired of not being you know uh, in the moment. I, I get tired of not playing these tournaments. The last couple of years, it's been in and out, in and out because of his injuries, rightfully so. It comes back to the Masters. When the Masters kind of show, look, I'm still I'm still the face. I'm still the best out there when I when I can put it all together. But I think sometimes when when you know it's kind of like the it's the, it's the Tom Brady mentality. Until I'm gone, I'm the man. Until I leave, I am I am the face. And I think when you think about a guy like Tiger Woods is, let's face it, man, you got to have a little – I mean, come on, man. We, athletes, egos, you got a guy like Tiger Woods, you say to yourself, he's sitting around saying, oh, my God, they talking about this dude? He's better than me? And he's doing this in the privacy of his own home? You don't think that's what Tom Brady did? They go, yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Get your, get, get your little MVP. Uh, congratulations, Matt Stafford. That won't happen again. The competitive edge of every player, whether you professional or not, is one thing. When I'm the face of this thing, think about it, Kevin. Think about it. All right, Kevin, we sitting there. They're getting ready. You're having a baseball luncheon. Everybody in there. Barry Bonds walks in. You don't think everybody going to stop and look? I mean, certain guys, they just, they just, they just own the room. So for me, yes, Tiger, and I do agree, uh, BJ, in the world of social media, not to where, you know, somebody said Tiger Woods just sneezed, sin, and it's gonna get retweeted. You hope he, you hope he can, you know, get enough uh, energy, enthusiasm uh, to go out there and get it done. But hey, man, Tiger Woods is in the building, and as you can see, forget regular schedule programming, <laughs> scratch that, throw it all away. We talking about Tiger Woods until he decides to not show up. Well, he moves the, he moves the needle, right? I mean, it's, it's Tiger Woods still. Moves the needle, and he hasn't played in a while. He shows up at Augusta. Again, maybe it's just to get around him. Maybe it's not. Uh, ben getting a nice message here. <laughs> Athletes always talk about retiring. Huh? Hope he comes back strong. Ben needs to come back to come play with Pitts on the other side of the let line. Me, let me help you understand. Steve, Steven, Mr. Gibbons, I, I appreciate the love, but let me help you understand something. I made too many jokes about O'Shag Hennessy. I made too many <laughs> jokes about Austin Hooper. And I'm going to just call it what it is. There's a one B.J. Bennett, right? I, I refuse because he's not looking at nobody else. He's going to make sure he had the game. I'm just, I'm just going to do this game. Hey, 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 Kevin, I'm going to just go do this game. Do one game. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go do And then he go in the locker room, right? And I'm, try, I'm trying to hurry up, get my people like, hey, So, uh, Ben, you want to tell us about um, all that trash you be talking? I mean, what, <laughs> what network are you from, sir? Who let him in? No. I'm from I, the uh, Derek Abney yeah. radio network. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I, and I, I said, Listen, when you got I, cooked on third down, what happened? And, and I said, when you got cooked, did, did I get sautéed? I said, whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, you got home fried up in that thing. No, I will say this, though. To those players who do this, man, you know, listen, when you at the gym, when you're working out with your trainer, these people are paid to lie to you. Boy, you look good. I, I think you look good. Those people have nothing to do with it. 
How how long does it take you to do two things when you get old? How long does it take you to get out of bed? How long does it take you to get off the ground? If you fall, there's a uh, making a bunch of noise. Because when you're young, pop right back up. When you now it's like this. Come on, all right. Uh, making all those noises? No, I'm not not doing it. I'm not here. I've already embarrassed myself. And because uh when I played, there was still, you know, that's when YouTube and stuff was going, they logging stuff. I can't even lie about what happened because no, man, the you're legend. You got some highlights. No, I do, I do think that ben, ben, ben is correct, though. If, if, if The older you get, even if it's like you get down <laughs> in a squat, if you can stand up and just stand up, when you get older, you stand up and you go, like, you know, like you just that little act. You're like, yep, well, getting over that that's threshold. True. If you make a noise while getting up, you know, you're in, you, you can play, play with the kids <laughs> in the backyard. You're on the <laughs> ground. You, you lay there, you think about it for a second, then you get up and you go, ah. You're, you, there's always a noise associated with getting up off the ground. Of course. I mean, I, look, you do that all the time. You, I mean, uh, that's somebody, the, I'm no longer able to play noise. That's, what, that's what it listen, is. My, listen, my dad, you know, I mean, he's a prime example. If my dad sleeps all day, my mom will say, what were you doing yesterday? No, I was just, and then somebody say, John was out there trying. You, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Daddy, leave it alone. Steve is saying he's followed your whole career. And again, we always talk about the Kentucky low light, yeah. but some great highlights. No, 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 no. The I, Ole Miss I, catch, I, I, I will take the Thomas the, Davis I, catch. I will, take the good with, I will take the good with the bad, but I'm also smart enough to know that that was, that was the yesteryears. I, I am good. Listen, I am good. You ever look back at those highlights and go, who was that? I just I just spun away from that five guys. That was fear. That, that was that I was. I just one broke of, five tackles. No, no, no. You know what it is though. When your family's in the stands, because your family's have two reasons: they there to see you and they to critique you. Critique. <laughs> critique. critique. Is it critique? Yeah, critique. Yeah, critique. <laughs> but what, because this is what happens: Every, in front of everybody, all cheers, man. Good job. When y'all get home, you be like, yes. They finally go, go ahead, man. What was you doing in the second half? Like that one play, they say you was hold out, hold. And then did you look back and say, yeah, but did you see me jump over Champ Bailey, though? And, 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 who that's who did you jump over for Ole Miss? Do you know who it was? I do, I do not know. I, I, I don't do you know. Have it's like, to know it's like two or three guys. No, I'm saying, but the reason I'm them. saying that is like I wonder if somewhere right now in the state of Mississippi there is a radio show <laughs> and a guy is on there going, yeah, I got, I got game plan. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, I got yeah. game plan and he, jumped, and he jumped over me. I will so. say this, though. I will say this. The last thing you want to do, in basketball, you get posterized, right? You get dunked on. There are posters everywhere, so somewhere, you know, that, that Kentucky dude is watching me, and I'm going, eh, like, he got me like, uh. <laughs> it's all good, though, man. I listen, sometimes you the hammer, sometimes you the nail. But you mentioned, uh, yeah. you know, talking about just the appeal and, and kind of the uh, excitement around Tiger Woods. I mean, it's interesting to think about, as you mentioned, Tiger Woods has not played in some time. The Masters is one of the most iconic, you know, if you want to call it a game, tournament, whatever, in sports, and Tiger Woods is such a superstar that he can elevate the status quo yeah. of that tournament a week out. I mean, we are still 10 days out from the Masters, and the potential of Tiger Woods playing, Tiger Woods being on a plane, Tiger Woods taking a practice round is the dominating, leading story in sports. It's amazing. One of the greatest athletes of all time. And I just, that's kind of my thought, is you see all the questions. Does this mean he's playing? Well, if he's not playing, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. After, after all the talk, you know, a week plus in advance, after being at the course, coming to Augusta, and if he can't play, he can't play, obviously. But I'm saying if he if he can't go, I think a lot of people are going to say, man, I got myself really excited and, you know, tuned in to see Tiger Woods in the Masters again. Uh, I, I, my guess would be he's, he's coming to play. Yeah, but BJ and Kevin, I will say this. I mean, I, listen, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, make sure I pre-qualify this. I am not comparing myself to Tiger Woods. <laughs> let me just say that, right? Tiger Woods is a headliner. Like, there are sports and there are headliners. There are people to where, think about this. 
There are people that's never seen Tiger Woods play and they know who he is. That's Tiger Woods. I was at training camp in 2008 with the Bucks. And somebody just said, man, Tiger Woods, man, they say Tiger Woods supposed to be here today. What? And we were so distracted. This group was like, get back to what? Like, what? So we walk, we walk into uh, like the meeting room and this big old nice camera. I said, lights on. And I'm like, what is this? Derek Brooks, the great Derek Brooks, runs in and said, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. He was being playful and jovial. Derek Brooks, the consummate professional, who walks in after, Tiger Woods. And you, and we in it like this. Oh. And mind you, you want to ask some questions? He goes, hey, you guys are, you know, you guys are out there doing, you know, he's trying to say all complimentary things and what may have you. And to this day, I didn't get an autograph. You know why? What's because I what's because lack of effort? I keep saying, move, move. My teammates go, no, you move. I said, what's wrong with y'all? And the words were simply, that's Tiger Woods. That's that's it. That's it. That's Tiger Woods is gonna live with him forever. Tiger Woods has a son who plays golf, Kevin. What else was he gonna do? He couldn't have done anything else. And you can play at the Masters. That's what's gonna happen. No, uh, Tiger Woods, again, we'll talk to uh, Bob Herrick about this uh, coming up in just a little bit. Rich Styles of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, Tiger and what that would mean. You know, Phil is out. It's amazing. We've talked about this with Rich. Tiger and Phil still two of the most polarizing guys in golf, and, and Phil can play on the Champions Tour. Tiger Woods has been injured much of the last you know, four or five years of his career. Still the two guys that get talked about the most around the PGA Tour. We'll come back, switch gears, talk some Georgia football. Graham Coffee, dogsports.com will join us. We'll get the very latest from Athens, coming out of spring practice, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back here, three and out on this Tuesday. Spring practice going on in Athens. A lot to talk about there with some, uh, obviously, the quarterback spot, placing a number of guys on defense and more. Joining us here from dogsports.com, Graham Coffee hops in here on three and out. Graham, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, again, Georgia's spring practice, it seems like one of those things, uh, the storylines won't go away, uh, and that's the quarterback battle, but reports are... It's not just Stetson Bennett running with the first team. Uh, it's it's Carson Beck. It's Brock Vandegrift. Is that just giving guys equal reps, or is there something to that? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems like every offseason uh, we have some sort of discussion or controversy around the quarterback position in Athens, and I think what that's sort of a product of is if you look at Georgia under Kirby Smart, it's the program where you earn your spot on the field by performing in practice, and that's a totalitarian mindset. And the quarterback position is really not any different than uh, defensive back or you know anywhere else on the field. But yeah, uh, definitely has been interesting, kind of hearing about the the rep shares. Carson Beck has been first in line a lot lately, uh, more often than Stetson Bennett, which is. A little bit unexpected coming off of a national championship. I think the flip side to that is Stetson Bennett has been in the program for, you know, four or five years now, right? I mean, he, you know, he was on the scout team back in the 2017 Rose Bowl uh, playing Baker Mayfield. So I think he's a known commodity for UGA at this point, and they're probably trying to find out a little bit more of what, what do we have here in Carson Beck exactly? What do we have in Brock Vandegrift? Um, those guys have both, you know, been in the program for a couple of off seasons now. They should know the offense. Uh, frankly, the the reports that I've heard is that Beck has probably had the most wow moment so far in spring practice. But nobody, uh, Stetson Bennett included, has looked. I think really, you know, head and shoulders above the rest, or you know, performing at a, a really great level. And you've heard Kirby Smart talk to the media about leadership and and i think that this is sort of a situation where maybe they're pushing seth and bennett a little bit giving him a little bit of adversity trying to give some other guys an opportunity to to show something and and see what comes out of it and see if the team rallies around a, a certain player or if one of these guys can take these practice reps and really make a statement with them Graham, every player uh, that comes back wants to improve. Uh, Stetson Bennett, of course, the national championship, uh, MVP honors, top five in the country in passer rating. Where, where does he need to take another step forward in, in your mind here in 2022? Yeah, I think with Stetson, there's a big difference between kind of being the guy that comes off the bench and sort of the, the underdog second teamer that, that everybody decides to rally around midseason and being the established quarterback coming into the season and, you know, kind of carrying yourself with the confidence of an SEC starter or defending national champion. That's a big change in mindset for a guy who was a, a walk-on and was told, you know, just less than a year ago that he was never going to play at Georgia, right? So I, I think that, there's there's that element to it. I also think with Stetson, there is still some decision making that needs to improve. Uh, he kind of has that like one YOLO play a half where he'll you know <laughs> scramble out of the pocket and throw back across his body or just 
do something dangerous. And if, if you've got Stetson Bennett in the game, um, you know, he, he is more than a game manager, like you just said, you know, a top five in passing efficiency, top five in yards per attempt, or second in yards per attempt in the NCAA last year. Like, he can do some really good things, but you also want to make sure he's not doing anything that, that can hurt the offense, and he still has a tendency to, to kind of make those questionable decisions from time to time. Uh, and I also think he still struggles sometimes getting through his progressions to that second, third, fourth read. Uh, there's been some some talk out of practice that there's been some plays where he's had guys open and, and maybe not recognized it, and that's something they're definitely trying to work with him on. Graham, I mean, speaking of speaking of the you know the offense and guys that trying to find a way to make a name for themselves, the tight end position or the tight end room, I mean, suffers another injury yesterday. You down to just three scholarship guys. I mean, talk about a guy like Eric Gilbert. I mean, finally found his way back on campus, but gonna get a lot more uh, reps now that uh, you know guys like Washington and obviously Brock Bowers is gonna be out. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, everybody is excited about Eric Gilbert. Everyone that that I've talked to that has been at practice and just seen where he is and, and where his kind of, you know, fitness level is at. Uh, the reports that I've heard is that he looks better than, than he ever did at LSU, just from a, a physical standpoint. He's cut up. He's moving quick. Um, you know, Terrence Edwards, who he's worked with for, for years and years when he was in high school, came out yesterday kind of talking about Gilbert has found his love of the game again and, uh, so he seems to be in a really good place, which is great because first and foremost, we, we want all these guys to just be, be happy and healthy human beings, right? But from a football standpoint, I know he's made some plays that have been exciting. Uh, he's also been willing to kind of take on some roles in practice uh, as an inline tight end and do some dirty work blocking and drills because they are so short body-wise at the tight end position right now. I think – when it comes to fall camp and game plan installs, we may see him, you know, more as that stand-up wide tight end or even at a wide-out position. But I know there's been some plays he's made in practice where, you know, he's he's kind of caught the ball in between a, a linebacker and a safety and, and made a little bit of a move. And, and there's a little more quickness and agility there than I think a lot of people were expecting. And, and he could have a breakout year if that continues. Graham Coffey joining us here on 3andoutdogsports.com. Graham, defensively, we're about to hear a lot of Georgia Bulldogs have their name called in the NFL draft. So with that being said, where are the interesting opportunities out there in, in spring ball? Who's kind of made the most of that, getting their first real look at a, a first-team rep here on defense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, how do you replace that front seven? I think the answer is that you you don't replace that, right? Like, you, you hope to get as close as you can to the standard of play that you had last year, but it's going to be really hard to match it. And I think that Georgia is using spring practice to rotate a lot of guys in with the first team and kind of give everyone a good look. Um, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, that, that name has been coming up since, since practices – at the end of last year in bowl prep for Georgia, he's continuing to look really good at that inside linebacker position. Um, I, I think that we're going to see him lock down one of those spots, replacing that trio of Quay Walker, Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall. Uh, Tresman Marshall is another name at the inside linebacker position that's, that's been getting some good reviews. And, you know, at, at outside linebacker, Georgia's 
lucky they've got Nolan Smith and Robert Beal coming back, who were those starting edges for them at the end of last year. And sounds like those guys have taken on a big leadership role. But uh, Chaz Chambliss, you know, they're he's doing some good things in pass rush. Uh, and then on the D line, you know, you have Jalen Carter, right? Like that. That's a known commodity, uh, as scary as it is to say, after that combine performance by all those guys in Indianapolis, he still may end up being the best athlete and the best defensive player off of that 2021 Georgia defense when this is all said and done. But I think there's a big question right now of kind of who is going to fill in the rest of those D-line spots, what's that rotation going to look like. Um, Zion Logue is a guy who's, you know, played significant snaps for Georgia in the past and has made some good plays. They're looking for him to take another step. But I, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see G-Day uh, and sort of what the, the player rotations look like in the spring game and, and who's able to flash because I think a lot of these guys are talented. They're all highly recruited, but there's still some things that need to happen to say that anybody has really separated themselves from the pack in some of these position battles. I know we all look at you know who starts when we uh, glance at a depth chart, but given how many players Georgia plays on defense, I mean, second team, third team, uh, are there opportunities for guys here in the spring, whether it's in practices or in the game itself, to move up a spot or two? And maybe if you're not a starter, still put yourself in uh, in position along that front seven to to play play a good bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I you talk about uh, a guy like uh, Rion Davis at inside linebacker who was making a way towards playing time last year, and you know. Kirby himself had talked about him during fall camp that he was looking really good and he was pushing for significant snaps. And you remember that he was competing with that trio of inside linebackers that that is now going to be you know high round draft picks here in a month. So he's a guy coming back from an injury who you know is still getting back to form, but absolutely he has an opportunity over this next month to to kind of come in and steal one of those spots or make a statement that he's going to continue to push through fall camp. And, I mean, in the secondary for Georgia as well, you know, you've got uh, Kendrick gone, you've got Lewisine gone, you have a ton of young blue-chip five-star talent coming in there, and all those guys are getting a lot of looks, and a lot of it's just going to be who can, who can learn the scheme fast enough, who can kind of show some of that on-field leadership and communication and, and accountability to, to take coaching and – you know, take criticism from their teammates and fit in, right? Because it's a cultural thing, I, I feel like, for Georgia, just as much as it is a, a talent thing, right? Like, there's a mentality that some of these leftover guys from last year are trying to carry forward, and there's a question of, you know, which of these young guys can kind of humble themselves, in a sense, and get through that de-recruitment process quickly to where they're going to be able to take that instruction. Graham, when you think about this Georgia team, obviously they replaced a lot. Everybody's replaced it a lot, no matter what college campus you own. But do you sometimes be in awe of just how much talent Georgia has? Nobody, there was no replacing Jordan Davis and Javon Walker when you talk about what those guys and Kobe did and what they did. But to know they still got another five-star, ready to play and plug, and a guy that good couldn't play because the guy in front of him was just that elite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, for, for years, right, like people would – would ask uh, ask me in, on Twitter, you would see on message boards, people being like, well, what's wrong with Channing Tindall? Uh, you know, this guy was the number one player in his position in his recruiting class. And it's like nothing was wrong with him. He was just behind a bunch of NFL linebackers, and he 
he was an NFL linebacker too. So, I mean, the the guys coming in, right, like Marvin Jones Jr. and Michael Williams, uh, those are some freaky edge players that have that same kind of athletic ability that some of the guys who have left are, you know, yeah, it's it, it's absurd to, to really think about the talent that's been stacked there, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's why, you know, I think fans a lot of times get caught up in, you know, they read a practice report and it's like, well, why isn't this guy flashing or why isn't that guy flashing? And the reality is like, you may have, you know, 35 guys out there that are doing some good things in practice, but it's just a question of sort of how the rep share is shaking out that day, right? Graham Coffee, dogsports.com. Speaking of rep shares, interesting, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this because George has been so deep uh, at that position, and that's running back. You lose a couple of guys graduating. Not so much are they talented there, but how do you see Georgia splitting that up? They've kind of had the power back, the speed back, the, the receiving back, and they've kind of had guys with their roles. Are they looking to continue that, or do you think you'll see more of a feature back set up when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, you have Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton, right? Uh, and those guys were part of that kind of four-back rotation last year when everybody was healthy. Um, I've heard a lot of really good things about Kenny McIntosh. I mean, he finished last year really strong, and I think has kind of just carried that over into spring, spring ball. And he is that, you know, scat-back sort of skill set where he can go and line up in the slot and catch passes. But he's gotten a little bit of a, a physical edge to him with his running style over the last 12 months. And, you know, that he's kind of – come into his own and, and he's a really unique package and I think he's going to bring a skill set for Georgia where uh, it's going to be hard to, to get him off the field but between him and Kendall Milton I think you have a clear one and two but uh, I mean for two years now I, I've heard great things about Dejan Edwards and I know he's made some some good runs and had some good moments in spring practice so far I think you know you've got Branson Robinson coming in who is uh kind of maybe one of the closer things we've seen to like a, a high school Nick Chubb since Nick Chubb, right, just in terms of the stuff he's doing in the weight room. So it'll be interesting to see if Robinson and Edwards can kind of push their way into that rotation or if Robinson is able to supplant Edwards as sort of that that third back. But I, I think you're going to see Dejan Edwards possibly get some carries early in the year against first-team defenses for the first time in his career, and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people what he does with those carries because he's a guy that has really good vision, maybe not breakaway speed, but he's a one-cut-and-go kind of guy that's going to get you you know, those kind of consistent 8-, 12-yard chunks, and that's, that's how you run a productive offense. Graham Coffee, dogsports.com, our guest here on 3 and Out. Graham, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate it. Graham Coffee, a great breakdown of spring practice here at dogsports.com. By Graham, go check that out. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, thanks for making us a part of your day. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, will join us. Rich Styles next hour uh, will join us as well here on three and out as we get ready for the Masters next week. And certainly the Tiger Watch is on, and we're tracking his plane and its movements, and it's in Augusta, and we know way too much about Tiger Woods and his uh, his private jet. But good chat with Graham Coffey. And the dogsports.com, certainly a lot of people reading into the, the you know, three guys getting first-team reps at quarterback and, and Stetson Bennett, this and that, B.J. and Ben. But what do you think the, the expectations are? I kind of agree with Graham that anything that happens in spring, you kind of have a known commodity in Stetson, so why not just let a lot of the other guys get as many reps as possible and, and see where they stand? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, I, I think the expectation, and certainly, Ben, you can speak to this better than me, but I think the expectation is you always want to get better. I'm sure Stetson Bennett would tell you that. I'm sure when he self-scouts or, or looks back on even a season that resulted in a national championship, he, he, he says, look, I could have done this better. I could have been more consistent here. So I think whether you're Brock Vandegrift, whether you're Carson Beck, and maybe you're trying to break into that starting lineup, or you're Stetson Bennett, and you're trying to add to a storied legacy, I think you're always trying to get better. You heard Graham say, you know, maybe the coaches are trying to give him a little bit of adversity to overcome. And uh, you're talking about a guy that knows the program. Uh, knows what it takes to be successful at a championship level, uh, knows the offense, understands what has to be done. So you rotate some guys through there, and you kind of see what happens. But, I know, Ben, you've told me, look, when you're at the University of Georgia, when you're at a big-time program, you're always competing. You're always vying for opportunities. You're always having to uh, look and, and see, oh, look, here's the new five-star this or that. I mean, that's not just a quarterback. That's the five-star defensive end, the five-star defensive tackle, the five-star linebacker, wide receiver. Etc. So, do I think Stetson Bennett will be the starting quarterback when Georgia opens up against Oregon? Yes. Yes, I do. But I think Stetson, uh, of course, wants to get better, wants to polish his game, wants to improve his game. I'm sure he feels like there's another level he can get to. And if you're Kirby Smart, you're looking at Stetson Bennett and every other player and trying to get the absolute most out of them in spring. Yeah, Stetson, my expectation for Stetson Bennett is to just continue to be himself. I think I think sometimes when we think about Stetson Bennett. Yes, BJ, I like to go back and forth with you about a guy like Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett is college football. I make jokes about Stetson Bennett because Stetson Bennett lets you know that we have fixated our mind on a certain way. It has to he has to look a certain way based off of what Stetson Bennett might be bigger than Bryce Young. He might be bigger than him. And I think what happens with a guy like Stetson Bennett, it ain't it ain't the sexy look that we used to see. He ain't the six five big arm quarterback. Georgia's already did that. They didn't win with him. He ain't David Green. You know, I mean, he, he's not he's not Aaron Murray, right? He's not Matthew Stafford. No, he wants he won a natty. And those guys have some good teams too. I think what happens is when you talk about the spring is, the spring is leaving no doubt. All you have in, in sports is trust. And you just want to build on it and build on it. Why? Because if you build on it, you play. And if you lose it, you don't. That's it. I don't care who you are. Players that play means those coaches trust them. If you are Stetson Bennett, you goes, y'all, people tell my JT Daniels, I saw Jamie Newman too. I'm not worried about Brock Vandergriff and those guys. Take nothing away from them. Look at what I had to do to just get on the field. I wasn't, I wasn't highly recruited by Georgia out of college. Georgia was the team I grew up wanting to play for. And when they finally gave me a shot, I never gave it up. Think about this. When Tom Brady got it, and I'm not comparing Stetson to Tom, when Tom Brady got his shot, he didn't give it up. That's what happens. When you get your shot, what you did with it. And they did everything they could to get Stetson out of there. And he just kept coming back, kept coming back. People thought that the glory years from Georgia was going to be the Jake Fromm years. And it is not. 
it is Stetson Bennett. And I just think that, and I'm not saying Georgia not going to have some great years past Stetson Bennett, but Stetson Bennett is saying, look, man, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, trying to go against y'all recruiting classes, but until I leave, no one's going to get this position. That's every position in football. You didn't see Jordan Davis. I mean, Jordan Davis wasn't the player. Uh, he's leaving Georgia when he first got there. Stetson Bennett came in ready. So, and BJ, you always talking about the stats and the QBR and, what, and the quarterback efficiency numbers. Everything you want from a quarterback, he checks off, except he's not 6'5". So, for me, when I watch Stetson Bennett, he's out there saying, look, I hope these other guys go out there and make some wild throws. They here, but wild throws ain't wild play. I showed in a whole year. I beat Alabama. How many teams yeah, I think say, a wild throw hey, is, uh, you well, know. Well, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, that is the wild throw. The I fourth mean, quarter national I mean, championship I mean, listen, it ain't, listen, it ain't, listen, I will say That'll this. That'll do it for most I, of you, yeah. listen, I will say this. That ain't two of the Devonta Smith, but it ain't far off. It is not far. And, I, and, and isn't it significant? Last time was the SC Media Days in Atlanta. Kirby Smart, his guys in there with the SEC Championship game, rings, bling, big old G, you know, sh- showing off. Who came and who came in after them? That would be Alabama. I would be shocked if this year Alabama comes in and who comes in after them, the national champion. And because, like they said, man, winning the SEC and all these different things. But I think when I think about Stetson, though, uh, BJ, it's it's this national narrative about Stetson Bennett that everybody has adopted. Well, guess what? He won it all. So he ain't Bryce Young. He ain't C.J. Stroud. And, but when he went up against Bryce Young for it all, what happened? And I'm not saying it's him versus Bryce, by the way. His team went up against his team. But if you are Stetson, Stetson saying, look, man, if they take me out, guess what? Yeah, they're going to have to explain themselves. But I think to Graham's point about Stetson being a known commodity, I don't know that you have to go crazy over every, every Stetson Bennett throw in spring practice. Why? Well, you just saw him for a whole season, and you and you won the national you championship. You've seen him for three seasons, right? Yeah. You you know Stetson Bennett. So if 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 you have a rep and Stetson Bennett overthrows a receiver or throws a perfect pass, I don't know that that changes everything about well, Stetson the- Bennett. You know what Stetson Bennett is? He's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country. Whereas with Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, you haven't seen as much. So well, each throw you see in spring ball adds to the overall kind of resume. Yeah, it does. Of evaluation. But, uh, like you said, like. Coming into this year, if Stetson Bennett takes one bad lick from a defensive end, how much experience do you have at that quarterback spot? Got a lot of talent. Carson Beck played when it was you know forty-two to nothing. Carson Beck came in and handed the ball off a lot. How many legitimate drives has Brock Vandegrift had to go on? And certainly after that, uh, with Gunnar Stockton, he was playing high school football last year. So I think more you look at those kind of things, BJ and Ben, and say. If I'm Mark, if I'm Kirby Kirby Smart, I almost said Mark Rick. If I'm Kirby Smart, I gotta find somebody that can be a serviceable number two. Yeah. Because the number of reps, I mean, at least last year you say, okay, we're gonna go with Stetson. But if it doesn't work out, the guy behind him started at USC. He's played with us. It it, it will be okay. If Stetson goes out as not getting it done, you're going to one or two guys that in totality don't have a whole lot of live game meaningful snaps. They've played in garbage time, but have they played in? Hey, it's third and seven. I got to make a try throw. to kind of facilitate well, yeah, that. I mean, you have you to. to see that. You have to see that. I mean, I think Kevin makes a great point. the The most loved player at any at any school is the backup quarterback. That's any player, but that's something to say. Is you say to yourself, if the season, if the quarterback goes out, do we still can we still achieve our goal? Most teams, you cannot. But if you but if you are George, you're saying to yourself, well, 
We don't got it. We we don't got it. We don't got time to be trying to figure it out if Stetson goes out. <clears throat> Stetson has proven to be sometimes, you know, a little, you know, he ha- he has gotten injured when it happens to everybody. But I do agree. Sometimes competing for second is a good thing. I think they're gonna have to figure out who's gonna be that number two guy. That should make the competition really, really good. We've got more to come here on Three and Out. Take three right around the corner. Kyle Glazer, Rich Styles coming up next hour as well. It's Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back here, three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, glad you're with us here on the program. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, Rich Style is going to join us coming up next hour as well. Guys, we're getting into the spring season, and it's ice cream time, right? Saw an ad for cotton candy ice cream. Cotton candy ice cream? Would you eat that? No. No, I didn't think so. Like, we're trying to overthink it too no, much. No, no. I mean, make no mistake. Not doing that. Make no mistake about it now. When it comes to ice cream, I'm going to say yes way more than I'm going to say no. I'm going to try it before I won't try it. But there are certain things that, no, that do not have to be made into something else. Cotton candy is good by itself. You don't got to no, make no, no, it. No, 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 no. Cotton candy is outstanding Listen, by itself. Cotton candy is that deal. Okay? Give me the sticky fingers. Right? It gets all it gets all like uh all like uh sticky when it's almost done. No, Kevin, we all have children. That's not going on in this household. Why? Because I'm not dealing with it. I'm I mean, what is the what is the what is the texture? I mean, like uh, I have a hard time envisioning cotton candy as ice cream because it's light, it's airy, it's sugary, it's immediate, right? It's like you put it in your mouth, it's gone. Yeah. Well, imagining it as ice cream. It's something I struggle with. I, the sugar and the... And that, the and, that's and, double sugar. Because it's already really, really sweet by itself. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think certain things need to be left alone. And I think cotton candy is one of them. Okay, top ice cream flavors go. Top ice cream flavors to me. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i always going to start right there at the top, man. I mean, I think it's cookies and cream. I mean, that's always been one of the favorites of mine. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a Reese Cup and, uh, enthusiast ice cream. And look, man, you give me that, you give me that double chocolate. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. How long... <laughs> Listen, I'll throw those other two away. If it's a double chocolate, double fudge ice cream, move, move out of my what way. About, uh, what about uh, uh, the cookie dough? Cookie dough is good. Uh, listen, I am a big fan, and this is the bougie part of me. <laughs> I do like cheesecake ice cream. It is excellent day. Love it. Kevin, double fudge? No, not not <laughs> making the list. Not making the list. I, I have the uh, cookies. Uh, the cookie dough is uh, up there. Uh, you have the cookies and cream. And, of course, does it even need to be said? Butterfinger ice cream. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yes, I like oh, it. No, I, I like you, it every day. I like you. I I'd rather go with the Reese's Cup ice cream. See, as much as I like chocolate peanut butter, Reese's Cup downgrade. Don't like it for whatever reason. I no, but never been able to find a, a oh, brand Oreo, that is good. Oreo, Oreo, Oreo ice, ice cream. cream. And, and, and straight, That's and cookies and cream. And straight, and yeah. Then, I mean, and shout, and shout out to the homie uh, Willie Jackson. You know, uh, of the Florida Gators used to uh, used to go to his crib and clean out his um clear out his whole uh, uh, freezer. A strawberry ice cream connoisseur. He would always come to the crib. And, Man, who ate my ice cream? I said, these people are savages. He said, yeah, you got some ice cream on the side of your face. Oh, that's mine. I just bought that though. So, yeah, <laughs> strawberry ice cream was always yeah. delicious. Not to, be, delicious. not to be underrated, the cookies and cream ice cream sandwich. Yeah. Uh, on top of it, yes, very, oh, very please, good. Please, we could do a whole show. Yeah, that's very good. Ice cream. I mean, it's, 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 it's moving into that time of year where ice cream is like, it. you, you got to have it. It's warming up, getting springtime, summertime. You got to have ice cream out there. We've got more to come. Take three right around the corner. Kyle Glazer next hour, Baseball America. Talking baseball with him and Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, will join us as well here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back here, three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, busy hour number two upcoming. We'll chat with Rich Stiles of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Could we have a Tiger sighting at Augusta National? He'll join us coming up in about 30 minutes here on the program. Also, Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, will join us. We'll talk about uh, the baseball season getting underway in a little more than a week. Next Thursday, Braves are back in action. Just moved the game time to 8 o'clock national TV. That's right. Uh, for the Braves and Reds opening up. Braves obviously coming back. I don't know if the rings, I'm assuming the ring ceremony is there on that opening night uh, with the folks that are still there getting that World Series ring. I think the first 40,000 fans through the gate get a replica what? of the World Series ring. Whoa. They had it all blotched out Kevin, on the. Are you, uh, you going to be here next week? I mean, just let us know. I actually, right will, not be, yeah. I actually will not be here next isn't week. Is he on but, vacation? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Listen, listen, listen. And for those of you who know, when Kevin stay on vacation, that means out of the country. He do not spend his time in the States. We can't find him. We can't get in touch with him. I mean, Kevin, go listen. He, he the only person that can find me is former producer Jim Johnson, who listen. stalks me like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Kevin said, I got an all-inclusive badge. I will be on. I will be somewhere over the Atlantic or the Pacific, yeah. depending on where he is. Yeah, that one time Jim came in here, he's like, oh, yeah, Russ is on vacation this week. And, uh, and I'm like, what? <laughs> What is going on? Anyways, we've got uh, so much to get to here on the show. Let's get to take three, shall we, here on Three and Out. All right, fellas, take one here on this Tuesday. How many Blue Bloods are there in college basketball? We keep hearing this, the Final Four is full of Blue Bloods. How many Blue Bloods do you think there are in college basketball? All right, I think we all agree on what? Five, uh, when you're talking about UCLA, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, right? Wouldn't that be five that, that we all agree? And I think you guys may think that's about it. Yep. I I think you probably have to put Louisville in that in the conversation, UConn, Villanova. Now I don't want to I mean, is Indiana? I know Indiana hasn't been I know Indiana hasn't been elite recently, but I think I think when you when you ask this question, you have to you have to define it first. And and, and Kevin, as you have said, Everybody says it's a it's a Final Four full of blue bloods. Well, when they say that, do they include Villanova? Nope. I don't think most people do. I mean, Villanova has, and I understand it's history, tradition, but I was doing some research. Villanova has two national championships in the last five years. They won a national championship in the 80s, and the NCAA tournament started in 1930, and they've been in the NCAA tournament every decade. So the 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way through, uh, if, if, if that's not – there, I would have to ask what is kind of standing in the way from Villanova being a being a blue blood. I think the five we agree on. Um, I would say Louisville. I mean, Louisville off the top of my head, what three national championships? Mm-hmm. Um, Villanova has three. I believe UConn has four. I mean, if you're saying four national championships, you're not in that conversation. Uh, I'm 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 willing to listen. I could go either way, but I think five are locks, and then I think there are three or four that are right there. But I think Villanova, UConn, uh, Louisville, Indiana are kind of those. Uh, at once you get past the first five, they 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 at the very least have to be in in consideration. I mean, Lebeji, I like. I mean, I like Louisville. I mean, I, I can hear you. I can hear you. I like UConn and I like Villanova, but they're not blue bloods. I mean, just because look, you can have an inc- you have incredible programs out there. I'm not taking away that they are some of the top-notch programs. That don't mean you blue bloods. 
Blue Bloods win. Blue Bloods to me is this. But this is what I'm asking. Let's uh-huh. take let's take Villanova for example. Right. Just, just because I remember what I read about them, I'm I'm I'm, I'm losing some of my facts about UConn and Louisville. What what is preventing Villanova from being in that conversation? I I, I think I think with, with Villanova for me, while they have been really really good, they just they just don't sound like a team that's a part of the college basketball fabric. When I think Blue Bloods, because I, because you always talk about telling the story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and a lot of people think that. Villanova's run in the 80s, I think it was, what, 88 or something, when they were mm-hmm. uh, uh, an 8 or 9 seed to the national championship, is one of the great stories. So, like, can you tell the story of the NCAA tournament without Villanova? I, maybe, I, maybe I, not. I don't think maybe, you can. Maybe not. But, but, but once again, BJ. And then two the, national titles in the, the last def- five years. Yeah. You're in the Final Four this year. Yeah. I mean, all right, if they win it this year, are they won. No, they're just really, really they just really, really good. They're just, they just really, really consistent. I mean, think about this. I mean, not to get off. I mean, when I think about when I think about ACC football, the first thing that jumped out of my mind is not Clemson, it's Florida State. But Clemson has been better as of late. But they are not what Florida State is to the ACC. That doesn't mean that Clemson isn't good. But for me, this is what I think when I think blue bloods. There are people who do not watch college basketball, but they know about these schools. They're like, oh, dude, Coach K, and you know, you talk about North Carolina and, and uh, Indiana. We talk about uh, you know, do you Kansas, think, do you think Indiana is absolutely yes. Indiana is a blue. You don't got to. This is what I'm gonna say, man. And I hate these things. When you got, when you got guys that got movies about them, and the reason why they do movies about certain teams is because that's how influential they are, not just to that to their sport in college, but to you know people like look, hey man, even 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 to the entertainment industry, people need to know about these things. BJ, we talk about uh, you, you talk about it all the time. One of my favorite movies, the program. What team were they trying to emulate? Florida State. There's a reason why. Right, I just think that while Villanova isn't, Indiana's credible, got five national titles. Listen, yeah, so they're probably right there. While, while I'm saying this, listen, Louisville is incredible. UConn is incredible. Villanova is incredible. They're not blue bloods. That doesn't mean they're not a part of college basketball's fabric. That don't mean they are what people mean when they say blue bloods is prestigious. Everybody don't get an invite. Sorry, everybody can't just be in the club because you've been good. But when I think about Carolina, people are like, yep. When I think about you know Kansas and India, yes, Coach K and Duke, yes, and that doesn't mean that other you know UCLA and, and, and mind you, UCLA is living off the legacy of the of the you know of the uh, you know back in the day. Well, but, they were in the national title game last but year. What, but what I'm saying, right? Is, but, but yes, but what, final four, final four, they were not in the national. But what, I, but what I'm saying is, look, it was Gonzaga certain, and uh, last year was Gonzaga Baylor. and Baylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, the, they the were in the hall. The, the, the hall is very good. It's packed. The blue blood, the blue blood club is not. It is prestigious. Sorry, we only got six cards. I don't care who you came with, Louisville. No, man, Coach K said we could. No, he did not. You cannot come in here. That doesn't mean they're Ooh, not good. Louisville. Wow. I'll, 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 now, BJ. Now, could this list get bigger? Maybe. Not much bigger. It, exactly, because I think what happens is, listen. If I was born, if I was born in in, in the two thousands, I think Clemson is the greatest thing smoking in the ACC. Well, if you were born in the two thousands, UConn has won four national titles since ninety nine. Listen and, and listen and, and congratulations. If, if somebody say UConn, tell the truth. If people mention UConn basketball, how many people think they talk about women's? Well, that's a dynasty. I, that that saying, is the dynasty. So, so all so all I'm saying is you have been incredible. You're not a blue blood. That is not a slight, right? That is just what it is. I agree with Ben. I I'm going to say what Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, and they all wear blue. By the way, Duke, <laughs> North North Carolina, You're Kansas, no Kentucky. On Indiana. No, I think Indiana is there because again, I think. You have the history, you have the tradition, uh, you have, I think they've been wearing those uh, candy cane warm-up pants since the 1940s or something like that. Uh, they have a passionate fan base. 
Carolina, Duke, Kansas, like they love basketball. But you're they made a movie in Villanova. Yes, they made a movie about Indiana high school basketball. Why? And the first thing the coach says, I thought every boy in Indiana picked up a basketball and played basketball. That's why. I, that's why I put them in there because they have the culture, the winning, the history, all of it. Not uh, again with Ben. Yeah, they have four titles. Uh, same thing about uh, UConn. They have four titles in the last twenty years, and that's great. I appreciate that. They haven't been as consistently good as all those other programs that I mentioned in that blue blood category where it is ingrained in the school. I mean, Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, Indiana, you should, they have thousands and thousands of people show up at midnight to watch a practice. Do they have 10,000 people okay. showing up at Villanova? I'm not saying that's the well, criteria. So, I'm just so saying that's Villanova part of it. it this year. Still no for you? Yes. So there's... What, the, look, what could they possibly do? What would they we have, have to, to do? grease the hinges on the doors to the Blue Blood Club, as Ben said. We don't just let anybody in. The door don't open for everybody. It, I, I think there's a, there is a big select. If I were to go ask people, name as many Blue Bloods of college basketball, I don't think you're getting more than five or six schools from people. I really don't. And I, I think most people would say what I said. You know, UCLA, John Wooden going back, Kentucky. I mean, people know all about Kentucky. Kansas, Duke, Carolina. I think... Most people would name those and stop. I throw Indiana in there because I think they kind of fall yep. in. But uh, I, I'm leaving it at that. Very small list. Let's move on. Take two. Do you like the new overtime rule in the NFL where both teams get the ball? That was put forth to the owners. They voted on it. And it's going to happen. Just in the postseason. Not going to change in the regular season. But... Somebody said, well, what happens if the 15 minutes runs out the other, and the other team hadn't got the ball? Well, that'd be one heck of a drive. But, yes, the other team would still get the ball, even though there is technically no time left. So, do you like the new overtime rules for the playoffs that the owners passed today? Yes. And I get, being your argument, going back to when we discussed this uh, right, after, right after the playoff games. You can play defense. Mm-hmm. Defense is part of football. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the fact that, at least in theory, you could have a situation where only one team gets the ball solely because of a coin flip. Like, I, I think we have to be able to come up with a better system than that. I think we have to be able to say to both teams, hey, your chance was there. And, yes, I get you can play defense. I know Mike Tomlin was talking about that. But I think there's something to be said for you get a chance, you get a chance. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league. I think everybody, if you're in an overtime, wants to see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes. You want to see these guys with the football. You want to see the star players have a chance to make plays. So I think any system you have, you're going to be able to say, yeah, but what about this? Or I don't like this aspect of it. But I do like the fact that you're going to see both offenses get a chance. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I was the thing about it is, BJ, even going back to what you didn't like, I mean, it was Pat Mahomes got the ball in overtime against, uh, you know, uh, I mean, against Buffalo and against Josh Allen. Those guys went down to score a game over the very next week. They get the ball in overtime against Cincinnati. Cincinnati gets the pick, goes down, wins the game. I like it for this reason. Football, everybody should get an opportunity to go out there and show both sides of the ball what they do. If my if only one if only one offense and one defense goes out there because the offense just had a better series, and that other and the opposing offense don't get to come out there. I've never ever been a fan of it, but I understood it. Because what if my defense is better than my offense? What if I want to put my defense out there because they just happen to be the strength of my team? But I think now. You're making more of it fair, and this and the postseason always always is gonna uh, put uh, you know move the needle more because that's when these games count, you know, way much more because it's a one game tournament. But yes, 
competition committee, they I think they did get it right with this, but you know, you still can't do the wedge on kickoffs. And I think that's a travesty as well. Yeah, I like it. Uh, again, what other sport do you not get a chance to? I mean, I guess technically in hockey, if you take the face off and go right down and score two seconds, I, I guess there's that. Same with soccer, but you will at least get a chance to touch the ball. I, I just look at it the, the way it is, where it's the, the sudden death in a sport like football. If you've had a dominant offensive day, and your offense never has to get on, never goes on the field, and their pathetic defense never has to go on the field, well. What are we what what do we do? We're gonna lose a game because our defense had to go out there first and that's it? And as somebody said, you take the importance away from the coin flip. And I think to me that's the uh that's the big reason you do this. And people say, Well, what what about I, take the importance off the coin flip? I saw something they said in the playoffs, they've had ten overtimes in the playoffs. The team that won the coin flip won the game seven out of ten times. And I think six of those seven the other team never touched the ball. So 60% of the time, you lose the coin flip, you will not touch the ball on offense. Is that a fair way to decide a game? I mean, think about this. Let's, let's say we come down to Duke, Carolina, and we go to overtime on Saturday in the Final Four. We have the tip-off, Duke wins it, and they get a layup. Game over. North Carolina never gets to take a shot. Is, is that deciding the game? Like that, That's how we determine a game that was tied up after 40 minutes of basketball? That's how we determine... Who's the better, kind, of, kind of what I don't like about college football. Hey, we went back and forth for four quarters. We're tied. And now we're going to put it on the 25. I mean, case in point, maybe I could go with you if it was Virginia Tech wake a couple years ago. It's 0-0 after regulation. My God, they may not be able to score from the 25. But, I mean, what, when you have certain <laughs> games like this where you're going, hey, we have a dominating defense. And we are playing great. And now we're in overtime. And, you put the, and you're away. putting the ball on the 25. Name me a program in the top 50. I can probably explain. Name me a program in the top 100 of Division I college football that put the ball on the 25. They're not sitting there going, we got at least three points. And maybe you could say all 130 of them feel that way if you put the ball on the 25. If we do not get a yard, we got, we got three points. And I don't think that's a, a, a great way to decide. I, I would like to have teams offensively have to move the ball a little bit. That's neither here nor there. All right, moving along. Take three. Baseball starts a little more than a week. Rank the NL East as you see it. Braves won. Uh, I'm going to be uh, maybe a little bit different than you guys. I'm going to say Philadelphia, too. I, I just There's something about the Mets. I mean, Kevin has long said it's the Mets when breaking down the Mets. And I think there's just a little pause there. I know they spent a lot of money, but I'll go New York three. I think Miami four. I like the pitching staff the Marlins have. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Nats last. So Braves, Phillies, Mets, Marlins, Nationals. Obviously, I'm going, with, I'm going to go with the Braves first. I think that when it comes to the Mets, I think they're going to be a lot more competitive. I think they're getting tired of being, you know, a team that's just underachieving when they usually have, if not the best, some of the best pitchers in baseball. Definitely one of the best uh, in the NL East, BJ. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with the Phillies uh, third. I think uh, a Phillies are a team that's all, they all, they got the star power. I mean, they got it in all phases. It's just that, I mean, when you got to deal with teams like the Braves, I think, you know, they just fizzle a lot towards the end. <sighs> Obviously, I'm going to go with the Marlins, uh, you know, four, because the Nats, well, I don't know what's going on with uh, with a Strasburg. I mean, Strasburg is in the lineup. I mean, they got a chance. But, I mean, every other year, though, did he play last year? But that means he's not playing this year. That's, that's just how it goes. He's not allowed to play uh, back-to-back years. But, yes, I will go with the, the Marlins fourth and the Nats fifth. But I will say the Braves being number one, this will be – Arguably one of the best divisions in baseball this year. When you talk about 
what the Mets did in the offseason trying to bring over, you know, Scherzer to go and win the ground. But at the end of the day, the, why would I pick anybody but the Braves? Because the last four years they won the yep. division. I don't see that being any different. Yeah, I have the Braves doing it uh, again. I think they are still the best team. Phillies too. I think they've gone out and spent money in the uh, the right spots and are very tough. I mean, top to bottom, as tough a hitting lineup as I think the Braves have. Mets three. I think the Marlins are going to surprise a few people and be four. Nationals just not deep enough. They are still going to be good, just not deep enough. Going to finish fifth. That's take three. We do it every day this time. We'll come back. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, joins us next here on Three and Out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Rich Stiles set to join us coming up in just a little bit. We're efforting Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, uh, to join us here on the program as we are a little bit more than a week out from the start of the the baseball season. Just following up there on uh, our last take three question with the National League East. We all like the Braves. I know you could say, hey, maybe obviously there's a, a little bias here, but I think the Braves, by and large, people say maybe have the best bullpen in baseball. Their lineup, when you get Acuna back, is still very, very good. If there's a question mark right now, starting rotation. And not so much the guys at the top, but how do you finish up spots four and five? And apparently uh, the Braves are going to go with a six-man rotation here early in the season. So how do you pair up spots four, five, and six uh, in, in that scenario? But to me, it stacks up very favorably. Now, the Mets, you got DeGrom and Scherzer. 
after that, Taiwan Walker's a good good uh, good pitcher. Uh, their lineup's pretty good, but again, uh, BJ Bent, the Mets have had injury problems all throughout their lineup and their pitching rotation for years. So until they get that figured out and you don't have injuries all the time uh, in your pitching rotation, who's to say Max Scherzer and DeGrom make it the whole way or any of those guys be- behind them uh, for that matter? I do think the Braves lineup on the field is a little bit better uh, than the Mets, but again, I, I think the-, the team nobody's really talking about is Philadelphia. They've really gone out and done a great job of shoring up their roster. Uh, you're talking about Rio Muto, Ritoskas, Gene Segura, Alec Bohm, Gregorius, Castellanos, who could hit for power, Schwarber as a DH, Bryce Harper. I mean, that's a very, very good hitting lineup. Yeah, and I think the X factor, as you said, is is the bullpen for a lot of these teams. I, I think when you have uh, uh, franchises like the Mets and Phillies and the Braves and, and the Nats, they're going to spend money, and you're going to have – you know, big-time stars in the lineup and, and, and starting pitchers. But what about the bullpens? And, and that's where, to your point, I think the Braves are a lot better. I, I think, relatively speaking, Philadelphia has some questions with their bullpen. Relatively speaking, I think the Mets have some questions with their bullpen. Atlanta, even with Luke Jackson right now having not pitched in the spring, and I don't think he's going to be got ready to go. he tightness. Yeah, which is, which is concerning. But I don't think you're going to see Luke Jackson necessarily in the next month. And with all due respect to Luke, who's been fantastic – I think you're going to be fine and and that just goes to show how good the Braves bullpen is where you can lose a guy that was all-star good last year I mean Luke Jackson was unhittable for stretches last year you still have Kenley Jansen you still have Will Smith you still have AJ Minter you still have Tyler Matzik you still have uh you know multiple guys with with closing experience who you can run out there and trust you still have Colin McHugh who is one of the one of the best relievers in baseball who you added in addition to Kenley Jansen. So, yes, with the Braves, there's a question about Acuna. Do we see him in the month of April? Is it not until the month of May? Uh, you do have, again, relative questions. I'll use that phrase at the four and five spot, although I think people are sleeping on, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I really think he's going to have a great year. But the Braves' bullpen is excellent on paper. And I, and I think Philadelphia, there's a question mark. I think New York, there's a question mark. And some people may be listening, oh, you know, y'all are hating on the Nationals. I think I think Washington is a good team, but I think their their problem is they're in a great division. Yeah. And maybe if they're in another division, it's a different reality. But Ben, you mentioned what's going on with Steven Strasburg. I, I mean, how do you know what to expect there? Patrick Corbin, and they paid him a lot of money. He has not been awesome. Uh, he's been he's been okay. Anibal Sanchez, back of that back of that order, that rotation. He's a guy that's getting up there in age. I mean, you like Josh Bell. Uh, I, I think there, there there are some guys you like, but Nelson Cruz, obviously Juan Soto's a star, but does that batting order have the depth of the Braves, Mets, or Phillies? I don't think so. I think the Nats are going to struggle some. Yeah, I think the thing about it is uh, when people ask why the Braves are who they are, when you talk about just uh, playing teams like the Dodgers or playing teams like Houston, look at what they have to deal with. I mean, the, who can hit off the ground in baseball? I mean, when you think about it. So I do think that – I, you know, baseball to me is always, you know, make it, make it until, you know, uh, fifth, sixth inning. Who has, who has, who has the best, who has the best bullpen? And to me, that is the Braves. I mean, the one thing about this Braves team that can't be talked about enough is everything that was a weak point, maybe, you know, Anthopolis guy, he just gets to let me work on this and I'm going to move to that. Let me work on this and I'm going to move to that. The last thing he worked on was the bullpen. And now the Braves might have the best, might have the best bullpen in baseball when you, when you think about it. But 
I think the thing about the Nats always, I always go with the health of Strasburg. They sink and swim. When he's healthy, they won the freaking World Series. I'm not saying it was all because of him, but I know, BJ, you won me over with the starting pitching. Look, man, if I got a guy like Strasburg and they had, and they obviously they had, a, they had a lineup that was very, very tough, they went out there and got it done. I think what happens is now is Philly, Philly, Philly paid the money. They haven't got the result yet. The Mets paid the money when you talk about pitchers haven't got the result yet. The Marlins are going to be a sneaky good team this year. The Braves and the, and the Nats have both won it in the last, you know what, what three or four years. So I think that when you look at this, when you look at this NL East as a whole, the Braves are the hunted. I think they've been the hunted regardless. Even when the Nats was coming off the World Series, I think right now is do they have staying power? Because BJ and Kevin, the what I've noticed because I, I look at trends in baseball. If you can keep your starting pitching, if you can keep your starters healthy, starting pitching healthy, you got a shot to be really, really good. The thing is, and I hate to look at it like this. Who can stand to lose a starter, you know, who, a starting pitcher, and still stay afloat? I think the Braves, I mean, obviously you're waiting on, waiting on Mike Soroka to get back and whenever he's going to get back. I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't, I think the Mets, if they lose one of the day two, they're done. Because at the end of the day, you put so much on, I mean, Scherzer, yeah, he's great. He's only got, what, 30 games. I mean, he's not going to give you more than that, is that's, that? That's if he's good to that's go. If he's good. I mean, but, I, but, but I'm, I'm just saying, when I look at the NL East, right? I'm picking the Braves because, I mean, I think I'm looking at recent trends, but it's going to be difficult. It is going to be difficult coming out of this division this year because nowadays when you when you say to yourself, the Braves don't spend as much as the Phillies. They definitely don't spend as much on pitches like the Mets do. Obviously, the Marlins, the Marlins said, look, we, we ain't spending no cheese. We're we going to go out there and play. We ain't spending no money. And obviously, the health of Strasburg, but yet the Braves' way of doing things, not just in the NL East, but in baseball, is working. Like we, you know, now obviously that was with Freddie Freeman, right? Him not being there now, which I think they're going to be just fine. Olsen, like I said, first game of the year, I'm not talking about Freddie anymore. But I just, think this, <laughs> I just think this NL East is going to be very, very difficult. And I think, look, it's not going to be as you say, Kevin. It ain't going to be no easy wins. You want to get him in the wicket. It ain't going to be no easy. But do you wins. think? Do you think the Mets? I mean, because you mentioned a couple of teams that have won championships. Atlanta championship, yeah. Uh, Nats recent championship, yes. Phillies, not we're not that far removed from a couple of championships, yes. a couple of championship runs. Yeah, are the Mets looking around going, it's our time? And the Marlins back? I mean, have, yeah, not, have not one that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the Marlins were, I think, the Marlins made the playoffs in the, the COVID short year, year, the yeah. COVID short year. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, I think one thing that's coming, not this year, but next year, is when you get rid of the unbalanced schedule and you don't play as much. In the East, that I think actually is going to benefit teams like the Braves and Phillies to not have to play each other uh, as often. But for this year, man, I, I really think the Braves have a, a lineup, a bullpen to get it done. And I think the starting pitching is good enough to keep you in games, turn it over to those guys at the back end, and you're going to win an awful lot of games there in the National League East. But to me, I think the team that spent the most money, and we've seen it just because you spend the most money, yep. doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win. I think that's going to be the Mets, where they've spent a lot of money, is it going to translate into winning the division? I don't think so. And we got more to come here. We'll talk with Rich Tiles. Is there going to be a Tiger sighting at the Masters? Oh, he's at Augusta National. But will he play the Masters? We'll talk to Rich Tiles next. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us here on the show. Golf uh, this week, you got the Club Car Championship coming up uh, at the Landings Club, and you also have the Masters coming up in another week. And joining us here to talk about all that is uh, Tiger turning the golf world on its head. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys uh, Golf Show. Rich, welcome. How are you? I'm doing wonderful uh, in New Orleans for the week. Uh, it's uh, trying to get Final Four tickets, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. <laughs> not not going to happen, uh, most likely, Rich, but something that is uh, shaking everybody up and everybody's going, is it going to happen? And that's Tiger Woods at the Masters. Apparently, you know, we tracking private planes. His private plane lands in Augusta. He's playing a practice round uh, at Augusta. Gut feeling, is he playing or is Tiger just testing it out to see if he can go? I think he's tested enough to see if he can go. I mean, the the big key is uh, he'll get done playing today. He may practice a little bit. The key is how is he going to feel tomorrow morning? Uh, when he wakes up, how sore is he going to be? Is he going to be sore at all? Uh, and unlike other tournaments, Tiger does not have to uh, do anything except he doesn't have to inform him by Friday, which is usually what happens on a PGA tournament. Uh, all Tiger has to do is show up on Thursday for his tee time. If he doesn't show up, he has to inform him that he's not going to show up prior to the Thursday tee time. So he really has till next week in order to let them know if he's going to play or not. But he and his, and his uh, caddy, Joe LaCava, I think, are just trying to feel it out, kind of see how he feels. But I think the key is how, how is he going to feel tomorrow morning. Rich, given the uh, media coverage, the excitement today, I mean, I know it's still the Masters, but – how much of a letdown would there be just given how much people are talking about Tiger Woods a month in it or a, a week in advance of the tournament if he ends up not playing in the Masters? Well, remember he parked his yacht over at the uh, St. Simons uh, Marina and everybody thought he was going to go and show up at the Heritage, um, and he never did. He was just there. He was there for two weeks. He never did go to the Heritage. Uh, I think there'd be disappointment if Tiger didn't show, but I think the key is people want him to be healthy. They want him to be able to play. And if he is healthy and he feels good tomorrow morning, uh, you know, there's a slight chance that I think that he'll play. Um, but I'm probably 60-40 that he's not. Rich, I mean, have you – obviously Tiger Woods, I mean, whenever, whenever he is the face of golf, he is golf. Have you ever seen a player that just moves the needle like a guy like Tiger Woods? Obviously, you, as you mentioned, the, the, the fans want to have him out there healthy, but have you ever seen somebody that meant so much to one sport like a guy like Tiger Woods? Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, but not a lot can say that except, I think, a Michael Jordan and a Tiger Woods. I mean, they move the needle. They, they move the TV audience. They move the sponsors. They increase the unbelievable prize package, the, the prize money for each of the PGA Tours, which they have over the last 20 years. I mean, the PGA Tour is now offering unbelievable amounts of money if you happen to have a great chance to win. But Tiger does move the needle in a lot of places. Rich Stiles, Back Nine Boys Golf Show, joining us. And Rich, uh, you said 60-40, you think he doesn't, but you look at uh, where he's at. I mean, this is the Masters. Tiger Woods obviously oh, yeah. wants to go out and compete at the highest level. I mean, is there something that even if he is healthy, is he saying, I'm not going to go out there and embarrass myself either? Like, I, I, does he play if he doesn't think he can be one of the factors in, in, in Sunday afternoon there at Augusta? No, I don't think. Uh, Tiger's too competitive 
to just go out there and see if he can put up a good number. Uh, I think Tiger is not going to play unless he feels 100% or pretty close to it, that he's going to be able to survive four days or two days even, providing he makes the cut. But two days of walking around Augusta National, which is one of the hilliest golf courses in the country and also one of the hardest. So I think it's going to be, you know, a key to him feeling right and being able to be close to 100% that he's going to be able to make it and be able to play the Masters. Remember, he has not played a full PGA tournament since the 2020 Masters, which was in November. And even then, um, you know, he he was there, but that was his last full tournament, um, and that was the one that Dustin Johnson won. Rich, is this what's what what's happening now? Tiger coming to Augusta, playing a practice round. Was that expected, or is is today kind of news uh, in and of itself, regardless of if he plays next week? Well, I wish I was in those circles to be able to tell you the truth on that. I have no idea. Um, I think that uh, you know Tiger has been trying to play, and Tiger's been trying to practice and trying to see what he can and can't do. And uh, you know, I think he kind of you know, sat back and said, hey, I'm not feeling too bad. I did play in the father-son, and, you know, I had a one bad day, but I, I kind of came back, and I think the key is, you know, as we said, is he going to be able to survive four rounds at the Masters or two rounds if he makes, if he, you know, doesn't make the cut? But, you know, Tiger is incredible. He has come back from many surgeries and um, to win, <laughs> Uh, he's just an incredible human being that has that drive and that ability to recover after several back surgeries, knee surgeries. It's just, he's amazing. And Rich, uh, I mean, uh, the, you know, the rest of the field that's going to be, uh, that's going to be in the masses, obviously, you know, they, they can hear about Tiger being in the guts of trying to, you know, uh, you know, trying to play around the golf, see if he's able, what, what, what is, what is their mindset? I mean, obviously they, they a guy like Tiger Woods moves the needle. Are they rooting for him to be able to play in it? Does it take, some of the shine away from them. How do you think uh, their mentality is? I understand that Tiger Woods could indeed potentially play next week. I think if Tiger plays, it's Tiger plays. I think the other guys that are here that are playing good and really have a chance to win the Masters, which could be any one of 15 to 25 uh, people, um, I think they're worried about their game. Uh, you can't worry about who else is going to play or who is going to show up or you know, who might shoot a lower round than you. You have to play the golf course. You have to play your game, your shot. They would probably love to have him there because it would probably be a great thing for, you know, TV ratings and all that other kind of stuff. But the Masters is going to be, it, it only comes once a year. I mean, it is the Masters. And, I mean, it's going to have a large TV audience and everybody's going there because they earned the right and they want to win. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, joining us. Rich, you got the Club Car Championship Corn Ferry Tour event going on at the landings this week. That's a, a fun event, and I know last year we were able to have the fans back, but uh, one of those events that does it right for the, uh, the the local fans that come out and, and take it in there at the landings club. Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal for, uh, for Savannah to have this tournament come back, Club Car as well. I mean, the Club Car Championship, uh, Dalton Ward from uh, St. Simon's Sea uh, Island, uh, qualified on Monday, so he's going to be in the tournament. Uh, so are some locals like uh, Ben Griffin, uh, Spencer Ralston, UGA, uh, with uh, one of the local caddies along with him. So, uh, you know, it's it's a great 
Corn Ferry event. Uh, Sam Burns, a couple of years ago, who is now hot on the PGA Tour, won uh, the Club Car Championship uh, a couple of years ago. So, I mean, those guys are just one shot, one stroke, uh, you know, one hole away from being on the PGA Tour. I mean, these guys, they're just as good as the guys on the PGA Tour. They just need to win and win some money, win some tournaments. Yeah, great event coming up this week, Mitch. Uh, Rich, I know you're going to be out there on uh, on Sunday from the Club Car Championship. And uh, before we uh, we go along and, and, and let you go, Rich, I mean, what is this? Uh, you're out there uh, taking gimmies from Sean Payton on the golf course? What's going on? Well, we were playing golf uh, on a uh, city course and uh, uh, the Bayou Oaks, and we were uh, playing, and all of a sudden one of the folks that we were playing with, who's a big New Orleans Saints fan, saw him over there and uh we drove over and he was very cordial very nice uh, very accommodating to be able to have us interrupt he said the money hole who knows um and uh whether or not he won we don't know that either but he was very nice and cordial and took a picture with us and it was just you know you never know who you're going to run into yeah so so rich if you're playing sean payton who's got a super bowl championship i mean if you, if you got a little scratch riding on the hole, you make it and put it out, or are you saying that's a give? You go, so now, Coach, I think you need to put that out. I'd probably make him put it out. <laughs> <laughs> no no gimmies for the Super Bowl I, winner. Hey, uh, Rich, we appreciate – go ahead, what? No, I was going to say I'd take the putt, but I'd make him put it. <laughs> Rich Stiles, Back Nine Boys uh, Golf Show joining us. Rich, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right, guys, take care. Appreciate it. Rich Stiles joining us here. He'll be from the Corn Ferry Tours uh, Club Car Championship there on Sunday morning. You can tune in uh, for Rich with that. But, yeah, Tiger has set the golf world uh, ablaze today just by showing up at Augusta and playing a practice round. Amazing. I mean, one of the biggest names in, uh, in sports, and you think about what he's accomplished. You think about the fact that as he – if he plays, I mean, even having not played in quite some time, I think the expectations are – He's going to be there on Sunday. Uh, I mean, I think that's Tiger Woods. So just incredible, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And, yeah, that's all everybody's talking about, Tiger Woods. If, if Tiger Woods finds a way to play, get out there on Sunday, I mean, once again, I mean, it's going to be the best, one of the best comebacks. I mean, he's already the best story in 2020 coming back and winning the Masters with everything he dealt with with his injuries. If he is there on Sunday, I know it's going to be about the Masters, but it's going to be about Tiger Woods first and foremost. We've got more to come here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're also streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
Good to have you back here. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. Bob Herrick, SI.com, will join us in the final hour. Also, Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. We have found Kyle Glazer, Baseball America. He will join us in the final hour. So a full, jam-packed hour three today of three and out. Uh, coming up, we're talking golf, football, baseball, and all things in between with, uh, with those three gentlemen. But uh, tomorrow, BJ, you, Ben, going to be uh, at a book signing down in, uh, in Fernandina. So if you have some folks listening or are going to be heading down that way, you can check out Ben and BJ. Uh, book signing of Uncommon and Unfinished uh, tomorrow. So the the world tour continues for you two. It's going to be exciting. Uh, signing the books. Yep, we will be in Fernandina Beach uh, at, at Story and Song yep. uh, Bookstore in yep. Fernandina Beach. Ben, you're going to speak to the Rotary Club and, uh, and a couple of book signings, but looking forward to that. And if anybody's going to be in the area, we would love to see you. But I know it's going to be exciting tomorrow. It is going to be exciting. I think when you take on uh... – Undertaking like a book, you have you have really no idea, you know, idea what uh, you know, what type of uh, you know, different environments you're gonna find yourself in, BJ. And hey, when it comes to a book, it's a, it's a lifelong thing. It's something that you're gonna gonna always be able to have. I'm looking forward to doing it. It's uh, hopefully it's gonna be the first of many. Friendly in the beach. Looking forward, uh, you know, uh, seeing you guys tomorrow. I mean, two different locations we're gonna be at, but yes, I mean, uh, we are we are gonna be at the story and song in front of the beach tomorrow. We're gonna be uh, you know, talking about the book. And I will say this. BJ will say something tomorrow. I don't no, know what I like that say. you have to speak. See, I can just get up and talk. I'm glad to be here. Here's Ben. No, no, no. But, but then what starts happening is somebody says, but it says with BJ Ben. I'm like, yeah, he's like he's right there. Yeah, I'm like, here, but 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 Ben's BJ talking. is the ghost writer. Yeah. <laughs> as in he's not there. Ben's Ben's gonna Is that right? Is that how it works? No, yeah. no, we, no it, it's gonna be fun. It's it's it's, it's truly <clears throat> excuse me, it's truly humbling when you think about the fact that my book is gonna be, you know, we're gonna get a chance to talk about it and hopefully. Hey, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, meet a lot of new people, man, uh, get a chance to really just converse back and forth. We are a part of the author community these days, and, hey, it's, it's, it's truly, truly humbling to be able to have something that people look forward to, uh, uh, you know, uh, enjoying some great feedback, some great testimonials. I mean, uh, I appreciate you guys. You Obviously, books are still available as, as well at bentrubatedford.com. And I think in honor of tomorrow, we're going to give one away. Yes, it's been a while. It, it has I been a while. I thought you said we were going to wait until the Falcons win the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. He no. wants we, to give away a book. Yeah, exactly. I want to give away a book. You know, um, but are you it, saying that Marcus Mariota, Auden Tate, and Alameda Zacchaeus are not going to bring it home? Yes, all the, yes, all the start receivers. You did, the, did, the, see, that's where BJ is. He's got Auden Tate. Yeah, yes. Tate, no, yeah. No, I know him. He went to Florida State. He's, he, he was with Cincinnati. Well, now, well, now he started. Well, now he started. He just he just so signed. So you, so you used to love him. Now he's, you hate him. He's wide receiver uh-huh. one. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, no. They said all the starting receivers for uh, for Atlanta right now have a combined five touchdowns, and that is not Kyle Pitts because he has not scored a touchdown. Don't say, man, look, you get a receiver in the draft. Uh-huh. You got Zacchaeus. You've added Tate. You got Kyle Pitts. They're gonna be good. If Kyle Pitts and all the star receivers walked around, you know, a flowery branch, do people keep saying? Just give the book away. Listen, listen. <laughs> I mean, look. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? What? These guys are, have optimism. Listen, listen. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four nine one two three four two seven one eight four. What? Uh, the fourth caller will get a chance to yes. win a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished: The Ben Troop Story with BJ Bennett. Nine one two three four two. Seven one eight four. The fourth caller with get a autograph signed copy of Uncommonly Unfinished: The Ben Troop Story. Also, Kyle Pitts. Kevin said only I was going to sign it. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. I mean, why not you? BJ Pitt will sign it. Who? Who? The Falcons wide receiving core. Yeah, I mean, BJ. Just stop. I'm telling you. Look, it's coming together. Nine one two three four two. That's coming together. Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. Fourth caller going to get a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished. The Ben Troop story here uh, this afternoon. 
full final hour coming up. Bob Herrig, SI.com, going to join us. We'll also hear from Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, and Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. He will join us on the program as well, talking some Georgia football and Brandon Jernigan, former uh, Glenn and Brunswick quarterback, now with UGA Baseball, going to, uh, or is, going through the drills there in spring with the Georgia football team. So can he make it uh, going into fall? We'll talk to him about that in the final hour.
Good to have you back here. Final hour of Three and Out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot to get to here on the program, but uh, certainly the Masters coming up right around the corner. And one Tiger Woods is in Augusta taking in a practice round. Joining us here on uh, the program from SI.com and author of a new book, Tiger and Phil. Bob Herrick joins us here on Three and Out. Bob, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, Tiger Woods at Augusta, what does that signal to you? Is this a, a tested out, or is this becoming a potential real thing that we could see Tiger back at the Masters when he hasn't played in quite some time on the on tour? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a step towards trying to be there. Whether or not that's going to happen, I think a lot has to still occur. Um you know, it's just one day, and we don't really know exactly what has transpired at home, how much walking he's done on a golf course, how much recovery he needs, how much recovery will he need from today. You know, you walk Augusta National just walking the course yourself without playing golf, and it's a tiring day. So throw in hitting shots shipping, putting, being out there for five hours plus, if that's what it was, and then throw in the fact that, you know, he is a very, very damaged right foot and ankle, and it's a lot to overcome. So, you know, can he, in, in a week's time, can he feel confident that he's going to be okay? I mean, I wish we could be there to ask him because that's, uh, that's what I think everybody would love to know right now. Bob, how much of this for Tiger is going to be how does he feel physically uh, tonight, tomorrow, and maybe even in the days to come uh, after going through this practice round? Yeah, look, if he feels horrible tomorrow, I don't see how you can do it because it's not just one day. It's, it's, it's two days for sure. Obviously, he plans to try to make the cut, so that would be four days. There's got to be some practice leading up to it. Even if he doesn't play the course or just plays a few holes, you know, he's got to hit balls. So you're talking about five, six, seven straight days of standing, hitting, hitting balls, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if, if he's feeling horrible uh, tomorrow, that's not a good sign. You know, it'd be one thing if, if, you know, he felt like he could make it to Sunday and then he was going to have to take the whole next week to recover. But, but you know, he's got to be able to recover between rounds. And uh, luckily, the forecast looks decent. I think that helps. It's not going to be too hot. It's not going to be too cold. I don't think there's much rain. You know, he doesn't want to really be on a slippery golf course either. Uh, so maybe put, take some of that into account. You know, but uh, I do definitely feel that how he feels over the next day or two is really going to have a big impact in this. Like, I don't, I don't expect we're going to hear from him about this tomorrow, for example. I think it's going to take a couple days before he weighs in and, and, and lets us know. And, Bob, for as long as you've obviously covered Tiger Woods, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than the Masters. For what you know of him, you know, I mean, if you had to put a, if you had to put a percentage on it, I mean, what's the likelihood that Tiger Woods is going to be out there on Sunday? You know, I think it's – I really still think it's just 50-50. Um, you know, before, before the last week, I would have put it at, 90-10 that he wasn't going to. You know, so in that aspect, it's jumped up a lot. I mean, it's way more likely in my mind now than I thought it was. Um, I saw him six weeks ago in L.A. when he was at the Genesis hosting, and I listened to what he said, and, 
you know, he's he he's not he he didn't sound like a guy who had been playing a lot of golf. Now, look, he could have been snowing us. He could have been underplaying it. He could have been downplaying things to not get the hopes up, to not get expectations up. But, um, but you know, uh, uh, if you took him at his word back then, it sure didn't seem uh, likely that he would be doing this. And, again, the Masters, obviously, the peak of, uh, of golf. I mean, how much does that change your dynamic? I mean, we've counted Tiger Woods out before, and he comes in and plays tremendously well. How much do you think that changes the dynamic of the Masters if he is in it? Yeah, I mean that's the big thing. I don't. I just don't think you can you can ever count them out. You know, that's you're, you're kind of foolish if you do. That's why the idea of shutting the door on this completely was always sort of silly, is as unlikely as it appeared. You know, uh, so um, I sort of I sort of think like, hey, you know, it, he's 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 proven us wrong before. He's done things nobody expected. Um, this is, this is the biggest leap ever though. You know, when you just, you know, the, 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 the amount of trauma that he went through and, you know, a, a year ago this time, he, I don't think he was walking barely if he was, you know, so the, 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 the strides he has made in that amount of time are pretty impressive. Bob, given that we're over a week away uh, from the Masters and Tiger Woods is the talking point, the story, the potential even of him playing, I mean, will there be a sense of disappointment around the Masters if he can't go? There might be. Yeah, I think there might be because there's been so much hype here the last couple of days that all of a sudden, you know, you might actually be uh, be thinking that, uh, wow, that's 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 not that's not so great, you know, like. There, there could be a big letdown uh, if, if he doesn't if he doesn't play, uh, and, and if that's the case, it would be the first time since since 1994 we wouldn't have Tiger or Phil in the same you know in the at least one of them in the Masters. Uh, so that's a little bit eye opening too. So uh, yeah, I uh, I think there is a possibility for that because this has been built up pretty big, and you know in my own mind I've tried to downplay it a little bit because I just know how much he's he's got to deal with. Um, and again, I just think the fact that he's even trying is pretty remarkable. And Bob, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, potentially not having t- Tiger or Phil, and if Tiger does play, does it make it even bigger because Phil is not going to be in it? Obviously, he's not going to be in it because of uh, you know, for, because of reasons, obviously, decisions that he made before that. But how much crazy does it make it to the point where no Phil potentially have a Tiger if he's there? How much is that going to even make it even bigger for a guy, guy like Tiger Woods? Yeah, I think, you know, it's always big no matter what. And uh, uh, if he's there, then, then, then tournament just goes up even another notch, even though it'll be fine without him, frankly. You know, it's been three years since we had a full house there. Um, you know, this will be, you know, it'll, it'll be full attendance. Um, there'll be a part three contest. What there hasn't been the last two years, all of that's back in play. And, uh and so the tournament's going to be off the charts no matter what. But obviously, it, it's, there's not a whole lot of talk about the Masters nationally the week before the Masters like there is right now, and it's all because of him. Bob Herrick joining us here on 3 and Out, and Bob, the author of a book that's going to be coming out April 26, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry, and as Ben said, both in the news for very uh, different reasons uh, here recently. But uh, what can you tell us about 
uh, the Tiger and Phil book that's coming out again next month. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's it's basically kind of chronicles their ride from the beginnings of their careers all the way to this point. Not quite to this point, but almost. And, you know, how much they intersected, how much their careers intertwined, you know, how they were they were sort of, uh, you know, not the greatest of friends. They, they had their squabbles. They had their beefs. There were, you know, moments of disdain between them. Uh, and yet they were the two best. You know, Tiger clearly had the better record, but Phil, Phil had his moments. And I sort of take you through all that. There was, there's some behind-the-scenes stories I uncovered, um, you know, mostly, mostly fun stuff or juvenile or, or petty but still there kind of, and it, it, it kind of highlights the, you know, sort of the uh, tension between them over the years. There was probably a 10, 12 year period where they just were not, you know, they just, they, they were not friendly. You know, they, they, they didn't run in the same circles. They didn't play practice rounds together. Um, you know, they didn't necessarily talk all that highly of each other. And, uh, you know, the result was two fierce competitors that, uh, you know, ended up winning their each winning their share. Bob Herrick joining us here on three and out, Bob, really appreciate the time. Again, the book is tiger and Phil golf's most fascinating rivalry comes out on April the 26th. Bob, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me guys. Be well. Thank you, Bob Herrick joining us here on three and out tiger and Phil again, uh, one of the biggest rivalries in in sports, and as you said, uh, it wasn't necessarily the friendly rivalry. It was like, oh, they they were both good, and they kind of had a friendly bet. No, they really got after it uh, in a lot of different ways, and I think Bob's going to walk you through that in that book. And again, it comes out in uh, in late April on the twenty sixth, and should be a fascinating read. But uh, again, in it, it just shows you where that is at, BJ. In the last two weeks, the biggest golf tournament in the world is coming up, and we've talked about Phil kind of being told not to come, and Tiger Woods possibly playing just because he's there. I mean, that, and this has got, and, and there's no guarantee that either one of them, well, we know Ty, Phil's not, but are even going to play. And they're the biggest talked about stories right now going into Augusta. Well, and, and I asked uh, Rich, obviously, and Bob this question, but I, I think it's interesting to think about. Even for a tournament like the Masters, it's the Masters. But if Tiger Woods, given that there was even the thought that he could play the week before. And, again, we don't know. I mean, Tiger yeah. may not even know at this point. you got to wait and see. But if Tiger Woods, given that the Monday before, that's all everybody's talking about, if he can't go, is there going to be like a letdown, a, a, a kind of a disappointment with the Masters? It, it will be. Because the thing is, like you talk about the two most polarizing golfers, you know, uh, in the last, what, you know, 20, 30 years, and then you talk about both of them potentially not being there. Tiger Woods is flirting with disaster in such a – Social media driven world now. Anything that even it's almost like 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 Bob's it's a you know it's a chance 50 50. Nope. Tiger's in Augusta, and that's and that's people go, oh, Tiger's in Augusta, he's gonna play. Well, Tiger hasn't played all year. You don't know how how uh but, how but you is. don't show up to Augusta unless you I mean to me, you don't it's, go it's to Augusta moment, unless you feel say, like there's yeah, a chance you're gonna get it's out the there and do it. Of it. But I will say this. Once again, if you are if you if you ever did anything in athletics, the game does something different to you. Nobody nobody's feeling hundred percent. Let me just put it out there. But there's something about saying, man, maybe the momentum of the of the moment can like push me through the next four days. Now golf is different because it takes a long time to play golf, even if you're getting there with your tee time, what may have you. I think Tiger Woods is doing it for something different. Now there's nothing else Tiger Woods needs to do. His legacy is cemented. 
But I think he's saying, look, I want to walk away on my own terms. I don't want to be because of Andrew. I don't want to be because, you know, father time is caught up to me. But, yeah, it feels not going to be there. And, obviously, the golfers are going to be asked about it unless, unless you know, Augusta National said, look, ask the players about this tournament, nothing else. And if Tiger Woods is there, I mean, what's bigger than that? So, I know Tiger Woods hoped to play. I know he's out there trying to get it going. But until he does not show up for his tee time, everybody, whether you root for him, don't root for him, you think a Tiger Woods going to show up. Going to be fun to watch, uh, certainly over the coming days, as to what that decision is going to be. we got so much to get to here on 3 and Out. We're talking a little baseball. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, joins us next here on 3 and Out.
Good to have you back. Three and out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, thanks for making us a part of your day. We are closing the gap on the start of the Major League Baseball season coming up next week, next Thursday. The Braves will be back there in Atlanta taking on the Cincinnati Reds to officially begin their defense of a World Series championship. And joining us here from Baseball America, Kyle Glazer joins us here on 3 Now. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Uh, you look at the Braves, have had a wild offseason. I say offseason, obviously the lockout was impacted there, but the last couple weeks leading up to uh, spring training, Freddie Freeman gone, Matt Olson in, Kenley Jansen coming in. Uh, is it possible that despite losing Freddie Freeman, this team got better? I don't think you ever lose Freddie Freeman and get better necessarily, but they certainly added some talent. You mentioned bringing Kenley Jansen. He had a bounce back year last year and certainly strengthens that bullpen. Um, you know, potentially you have some guys healthier in the starting rotation this year. And you, of course, you know, you standing at Ronald Acuna Jr. back for a full season. So I think what I would say is the Braves are the defending World Series champions uh, coming off an 88-win season. It would not surprise me if they – exceed that 88 win total and, and again contend for a World Series as much as Freddie Freeman is, is a great player and you don't get better when you lose him by any means. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team and they can absolutely compete. Matt Olson comes in. Uh, obviously the expectations are very high. What are, what are fair expectations? Uh, you know, you can't be Freddie Freeman. I don't think that's fair, but from a stat line, from a production standpoint, what should, what should Braves fans expect? Yeah, it's always tricky when guys switch leagues. We see great players struggle with that. You look at Francisco Lindor going from Cleveland to New York last year. Um, you know, that plus being a hometown kid, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he presses a little bit and maybe this year isn't his best year. But when he's at his best, this is a guy who, again, last year was a top 10 MVP finisher who you know, hits 270 with an OPS around 900 and is good for 35-plus homers a year. Um, at his peak, he's one of the most dangerous left-handed power hitters in baseball, and that's what he's capable of. Although, again, it wouldn't surprise me if this first year maybe it's a little bit under that just with the pressures of, of you know playing at home and being in a new league. Kyle, when you think about the way, you know, uh, Alex Anthopoulos and how, you know, how he's been able to put this team together the last four years, and you look at what they do around this division, when you think about how the Mets spin, how the Phillies spin, the Braves, they don't usually give, you know, big money contracts, even though Matt Olson was able to get that, you know, that big deal coming over from the A's. Talk about the way Alex Anthopoulos has been a way to put, see what the guys have been doing around him, doing the Braves way, and obviously it seems to be working for him. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you have to acknowledge, you know, Alex Anthopoulos inherited uh, the best farm system in baseball. The Braves were the number one ranked farm system uh, in Baseball America's organization talent rankings in 2017-2018. So that's a really good place to start, and his predecessors deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, but he did the right thing, you know, bringing guys up, giving early extensions to Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, keeping them affordable. Uh, they, they've done some good things in terms of signing guys to one-year deals or two-year deals so that they're not hamstrung long-term but are getting that immediate impact. And the total you know, package of it all has been a really, really good young core big leaguers that they've brought up on good timetables under Anthopolis for the most part and not rushed. Combine that with some smart free agent signings on short deals, and you have a really good team with a lot of financial flexibility. That's a really good way to go. You look at uh, the new DH in the National League, the Universal DH. How do you think that plays? Uh, I know, obviously, when you had to cross over games, National League teams sometimes did not fare the best when they had to implement the DH. How do you think that changes the way 
Fans who have watched National League Baseball for a long time gets played. Less reliance on the bench. A guy who's obviously in there hitting. How, how do you think you see that change and affect what teams are doing? Yeah, you're going to see more offense. Uh, last year, pitchers uh, barely hit over 100 last year. They struck out nearly 45% of the time they're at the plate. Uh, it was just ugly. It had gotten to a point where pitchers were just so ineffective hitting. Not that they were ever great at it, but it was all-time lows last year in terms of both batting average and slugging percentage. Um, it just wasn't tenable. So getting a, a real actual hitter in the lineup, you're going to see offense go up, and you're going to see a lot more reliance on, on team starters. Again, you need a good bench to succeed. You need depth to get through the course of a long season. Uh, but there's no question not having to do as many double switches. You're going to see the best hitters stay in the game longer, and ultimately you're going to see more offense and, and potentially a, a better, more high-scoring product from an entertainment standpoint. Speaking of the DH, there's been uh, some talk, hey, Ronald Acuna, as he gets back to full health, maybe he could DH before being in the field every day. Do you think that's a viable option for the Atlanta Braves? It could be, but, I mean, this is just such a talented player. You certainly want to let him be healthy enough to roam the outfield. Uh, The best version of the Braves and the best version of Ronald Acuna is when he's playing on both sides of the ball. So, you know, you know, the Braves will have to look at where he's at in his progression, where their team is at in terms of what injuries they've suffered or what players are struggling or not, and you know how badly they need his bat in the lineup. But uh, you certainly don't want to bring him up when he's not 100% back yet. You know, you want him to be able to, you know, be who he is in the box, but also be able to roam around the outfield without issues because that ultimately that's the, that's the goal here. He's a great player on both sides of the ball, and you don't want to rush something and make it so he's only a great player on one side of the ball. I mean, Kyle, with the Phillies making the moves they made, you look at what the Mets did. How competitive do you think this NL East is going to be this season? Yeah, it should be very, very competitive. Uh, again, the Mets have a rotation that's pretty scary at the front when you can go Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. I firmly expect Francisco Lindor to have a bounce back here, his second year in New York and in the National League. And there's a lot of talent around him in the lineup. And the Phillies can match with anyone, um, whether they're going to be able to play defense is up for debate, but they've got a really, really dangerous lineup that can win some high-scoring games. If you get into uh, the baseball equivalent of a shootout with the Phillies, it's not where you want to be. They can beat teams 11-9 or 12-9. So, um, yeah, this will be a competitive, competitive division, excuse me, as it was for most of last year uh, until the very end. But, um, look, the Braves are – the defending World Series champions and the four-time defending division champions, they're still on top until someone knocks them off. Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, joining us here on 3 and Out. And uh, you mentioned a couple of guys here with the Mets having bounce-back years. Uh, look at a guy on the Braves like an Austin Riley, who uh, second half putting up MVP-type stuff. Uh, do you expect that to continue? Do you expect some uh, regression out of him? What do you expect for a, uh, a guy that I know the Braves are counting on uh, to provide that power in a big, big way? I expect him to continue his upward trend. Uh, you know, is he going to finish top 10 in MVP voting again? Uh, again, maybe that's not fair to put on him, but this is a really good player. This was a, a top draft pick. He was a, a supplemental first-round pick. He was the number one prospect in the farm system. It's not like this came out of nowhere. He debuted very, very, very young, went through some struggles that the majority of young players go through. Again, the Ronald Acuna Juniors of the world are the exception the vast majority of young players, they need some time to acclimate. We saw him go through his struggles his first two seasons, both uh, shortened seasons. 2019 was a partial season. 2020 was uh, the COVID-shortened season. Got his first full season in 2021 and was, again, one of the best hitters in the National League. And he's a good defender, too. This is a good player 
who uh, will continue to be a good player, whether he gets 300 with 30 balls and 100 RBIs again. You know, it's tough to predict that for anyone, but wouldn't be surprised if he does it again. I know for a lot of us, when you evaluate a baseball team, you look at the starting pitchers, you look at the batting order, the lineup, but the Braves' bullpen, I mean, is this the best bullpen in baseball, and could they be the reason this might be the team to beat? It's a very, very good bullpen. Bring in Kenley Jansen. Colin McHugh was also a very, very good under-the-radar signing. You have Smith, Matzik, Mentor. You know, is it the singular best bullpen in baseball? That's tough to say. The White Sox have a really, really good bullpen. The Dodgers, even after losing Kenley Jansen, still have a really good deep bullpen. Um, but it's certainly in the mix, you know, whether it's number one or three or four or five. This is a really, really good bullpen that will absolutely be a strength of this team. And Cal, I mean, I know, uh, you know, Kevin kind of mentioned when you first came on. I mean, the fact that these, the fact that the, you know, uh, the, the the owners and the players were able to get this deal done. I mean, I, you know, a lot of times when you talk about going to the negotiating table, people think it's going to go well into the season. Talk about how these guys was able to get it. Yes, it was kind of a little contentious because the lockout started back in December. But talk about those guys finding a way to get it done to be able to play all 162 games. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone realized it was not in the sport's best interest to lose games. Remember, Rob Manfred came out and said uh, games are canceled the first two series of the season, and they will not be made up. But we now know that was more of a negotiating ploy, and as soon as they were able to get a deal together, uh, they put them back on the schedule. So, uh, again, you know, from start to finish, I think there was an understanding it was important to get the deal done and not let this cost regular season games because that would just be disastrous for baseball coming off of the shortened 2020 season with no fans and a lot of teams not having fans for the first month or so of the 2021 season losing games in 2022 would have been an absolute disaster uh, luckily it was averted and uh, you know the deal was fair on both sides it seems like although we still have to see the details a lot of times the devil's in the details uh, of the agreement but uh, on the surface it, it's a fair deal for both sides and now we're ready to play Kyle Glazer, Baseball America, our guest here on 3 and Out. Kyle, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it. And the Braves coming back a week from Thursday, and they'll play the Cincinnati Reds at home defending their World Series championship. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out, the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. A lot to get to uh, there in Athens. Spring football going on. You got uh, baseball. Mike White getting uh, three over three million dollars a year. And a coach basketball there at Georgia. That was announced uh, officially out there today. Anthony Dasher, UGA Sports. Dot com joining us got a uh, article out on uh, Randon Jernigan, former Glen Academy Brunswick quarterback, plays outfield for the Dogs. Now giving a go at football, and Anthony joins us here on Three Now. Anthony, welcome. How are you? Hey guys, I'm doing great. Talk about Randon. Uh, obviously, he's played baseball. Is he still involved with baseball while spring practice is going on? And what kind of sparked this move to give football a go here? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that, you know, you know, first of all, and I know Brandon know pretty well, and I know he's kind of had that itch for a little bit to maybe get back to play uh, in some football, and Kirby Smart's going to give him, uh, you know, the opportunity to come over as a walk-on. Uh, he's going to play wide receiver, and it uh, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me knowing Brandon, knowing how fast he is. He may get some looks on special teams uh, as well. Uh, great football, high school football career, you know, as you uh you know, well, no, had over 20-something offers, I believe. I know Cincinnati had, off, had offered him, uh, Army and Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, and all, you know, wanting were to come play you know, football for the, their respective uh, teams. Um, I'm excited for it. I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, you know, haven't had, had a chance to speak with him yet about, about this opportunity, but uh, it doesn't surprise me at all to see Randon Jernigan attempt to play football one more time. I was going to say, a guy that was, you know, a great athlete in high school and uh, has, has done baseball, doing baseball, and, and now football. I mean, what are, what are some of the expectations uh, in the spring? I know uh, spring is a time for a lot of guys to get a lot of different opportunities. Uh, is, he, is, yeah. is he looking at the receiver position primarily? Are there some opportunities on, on special teams? Kind of, kind of what's, uh, what's the plan here this spring? Well, I still don't know exactly. I mean, the, the first thing he's going to do is just kind of get back used to, you know, get kind of get in football shape. I mean, obviously Brandon's in great shape, you know, playing baseball, but there's a little difference to being in football shape than baseball shape. That's something I'm sure he's having to get adjusted to right now. But, but he is out. He started, I believe it was last week. Uh, he's out on the, you know, field taking part in practices with the rest of the, you know, team, uh, you know, right now. They're they about, you know, about the midway point through their spring drills. And I just want to kind of see where he fits in. Uh, you know where what what might he do down the road? Again, we just have to have to wait and see. But I was actually talking to somebody today, knowing that you know Brandon was a former quarterback. You know, again, how fast he is. If Georgia were to ever go back to using the, the wild dog, you know, offense of you know, you put like a wide receiver or a running back at the quarterback spot and get inside the the red zone, he would might be perfect for something like that. So we'll see if that's something you know down the road that Kirby Smart wants to give a shot to. And we think about a guy like Randon, though, I mean, how much more of a competitive advantage sometimes can you have already playing another sport? Because the hardest thing with college is getting acclimated to college and athletics. I mean, even though it's a different sport, and obviously he played football before, the, 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 the wide receiver position, I mean, I don't, I don't know the depth chart at Georgia right now, but it seems to be pretty open to have a guy like Randon really go out there and might not compete for a starting spot, but definitely could compete for some playing time uh, uh, this, uh, this fall. Well, you know, no question. I mean, you know, wide receiver and, uh, and cornerback are two of the positions that Kirby Smart has spoken about, you know, so far this spring as being the, you know, two positions where there's the, the least amount of depth. Uh, so, so yeah, you're right, right, right Ben. I mean, I, it's not going to be a case where Rand is going to come in and I don't think compete for a starting role. However, I mean, with some of the openings they've got, I mean, if he can show he can, uh, you know, uh, acclimate himself fast enough, learn the playbook. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get some looks, uh, you know, this upcoming uh, fall. He's going to have two years eligibility left, so he'll come, uh, come back and play a couple more years. Is, is, so, uh, Anthony, is this something that sounds like it's just a, a kind of a tryout, so to speak, for the spring, and is he still uh, with the baseball team while he's doing this? Yeah, more or less. And, yeah, he is going to continue to play baseball, you know, throughout this whole 
you know, whole deal. I did speak with, you know, head baseball coach Scott Strickland, who, uh, you know, was uh, very enthusiastic about, uh, you know, Brandon getting this opportunity. So it's really no problem, you know, for him from his standpoint. You know, it's kind of unusual, though. You, you see football players, you know, play baseball. I mean, Jordan has a history of that. You know, Buck Blue, Jeff Pyron kind of going back a bit, you know, you know, play both sports. Uh, but you rarely do you see a, a, a player who's already established on a baseball team jump over to football. Now, most of these guys on the baseball team do play football in high school, but, you know, not at the, uh, you know, capable of playing at the level at UGA. So this is a very rare, you know, deal, rare thing that, uh, you know, Randon is, is uh, attempting to do right now. And, Anthony, you mentioned, I mean, the football team, the defending national champions, they're going to be, what, preseason top three at worst. Baseball, I think, nationally ranked, uh, playing in the SEC. So two elite programs there with the football and baseball team. Yeah, no no doubt about it. I mean, baseball, I know, have got a little bit of issues going on right now with some of the pitching bows they've got uh, other than Jonathan Cannon. But you're right about the football program. You know, even though they've lost a ton of people, you know, I think Georgia will be picked somewhere in the, in the top five preseason. But again, they got some uh, they got some holes they've got to fill as well. They lost a ton of guys on defense, as you well know. With all those guys are going to get picked in the draft coming up, but uh, there's still a lot of talent there for sure. Anthony, when you think about this Georgia team, how was they was able to finally get over the hump last year with a guy like Stetson Bennett? You talk about the lack of depth at the quarterback position. How important is this going to be for them to establish a number two? If Stetson Bennett, who's obviously going to going to have the best shot to be the starter with what he's done, not just last year but the last three years, how important is it to establish? Who's going to be a solid backup if uh, an injury does happen to Stetson Bennett? Well, I think that's going to be probably one of the main focuses of the spring. You know, they do have Carson Beck right now from down in Jacksonville. Uh, a lot of people are kind of surprised he uh, didn't transfer after last year, but he's back and apparently, you know, playing very well. Of course, you got Brock Vandergriff uh, in his second year in the program. Uh, you know, ran scout team for the Bulldogs last year. He's had a good a good spring. And they've got the uh, early enrollee, early enrollee former five star, you know, Gunnar Stockton in as well. So they've got four guys they're very happy with. Uh, but it's just a, a matter now about which one of those other three guys I just mentioned kind of takes that next step forward and becomes that guy that coaches are comfortable enough with in case something that does happen to Stetson. Anthony, do you believe there'll be a quarterback uh, controversy come fall, or is it simply look Stetson uh, won you a national uh, championship? I, I, that's I, I, it. I, I can't imagine why. I mean, I, I mean after what Stetson did last year, I mean he would really have to, you know, what uh, <laughs> the spring or in this preseason to to not have that starting job, but. You know, anything's possible. I, I, I just chalked me up as being shocked if, uh, if Stetson Bennett is not that starting quarterback when Georgia opened against Oregon and Mercedes-Benz. Georgia has so much to replace defensively, but has recruited so well. Uh, who are some of the new names to watch on the defensive side of the ball? Well, uh, at linebacker, I think, uh, you know, sophomore, you know, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson is uh, a guy who uh, uh, I think, personally, I think compares, you know, favorably to Kobe Dean. I'm not going to you know, put him in that category yet, but he's a young guy who loves to hit. He's got that perfect frame and size that, that Coach Smart loves, the middle linebacker. He's one to watch. Uh, and, uh, you know, true freshman, Michael Williams, uh, former five-star, is now trying to, trying to you know, fill some of the shoes that Trayvon Walker you know, left. And they've got a couple of cornerbacks coming in, you know, in, in the, um, you know coming, on, coming in later in, in May. I think we'll have a chance to contribute uh, for some starting roles. But, uh, you know, they, they've got, uh, you know, you know, Marvin Jones Jr., another guy who's going to come in and make defense. I mean, he'll have a chance to get some early, early PT. But those are probably the main ones I'll be looking at right now. The tight end position has obviously uh, been uh, riddled with injuries. When you think about the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously Bowles is out. You know, you talk about uh, Washington is out now. Got another tight end goes out yesterday. But a guy like Eric Gilbert, one, he's back on campus. You happy to him. He's no. back at home. Hopefully he uh, has handled everything he needs to handle away from football. How was he looking in the spring, and how how big of a weapon can he be when, obviously, you get Washington and Bowers back in the fall? 
Yeah, I think he could be a very big weapon. Now, the biggest thing for Eric, uh, you know, he had to lose a bunch of weight. Now, he did not play him last year. He got up. You're not going to believe this. He, he got up to close to 300 pounds. <laughs> so he's had to drop a considerable, you know, weight. Fortunately, he has. And, just you know, and when we saw him last week, I, you know, guesstimate he's probably in the, in the 250 range. They still want him to probably get to about 235, 240. And ultimately, I think they actually want him to put him back at wide receiver, which he's actually listed at. You know, you look at George's uh, – official website, but he is a tight end right now with some of the guys, you know, missing that you just you know, mentioned, Brock, you know, Darnell and, and Ryan Goatee are, are not able to, to practice right now, but, but so far, Eric is doing what he's been asked to do, and I think he has a chance to make a, a big impact if he just keeps on that path he's on right now. Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com, joining us here on 3 and Out, and finally, Anthony, Georgia tonight playing Georgia Southern uh, in baseball. They're in the top 25, as we, we talked about, seven SEC teams in the top 25. Very tough. Is this a a team with Omaha aspirations, can they make it to that uh, that Omaha setting this bunch? Well, the pitching is the question right now. You know, Georgia lost, uh, you know, Dylan Ross and, uh, you know, Will Childers, two two guys who were supposed to be a, you know, have a play a huge roles as far as starting rotation goes. Both those guys are now out for the year. Uh, John Cannon, uh, the Friday starter, is one of the best at the SEC, but after that, it's a real question mark right now. They're kind of struggling to put some things together. You know, they were beaten by Mississippi State 20-3. to It was uh, Sunday a week ago this past Sunday. They lost to uh, Kentucky, a team that's not, you know, really doesn't have a, a really, you know, tremendous uh, baseball tradition. We're beating 18-5. to So they've got some issues with that rotation. They're trying to figure out if they want to get back to them all. They're going to have to get that done. And they've got Georgia Southern coming up top of the hour tonight. Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Our guest, Anthony, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Anytime. Anthony Dasher joining us here on 3 and Out and Randon Jurgen doing the baseball and football thing uh, there at, uh, at Georgia here in spring practice. He said kind of an experiment to see where he uh, potentially could fit in, but uh, you can read that there, UGASports.com, with, uh, with Anthony. Yeah, really cool and a great high school player when you think about multiple sports there. Speed, uh, you heard Anthony say potentially because you have kind of a wildcat situation at the quarterback spot, but a really cool story there with Randon Jernigan. Yeah, my freshman year had a guy named Major Wright who was actually on the basketball team, actually wanted to come over there and play. Uh, football. I mean, he actually said something about me. Like, they got this freshman tight end. I just got to beat him out, and I'll get some playing time. I was like, Major, man, I mean, I'm not here to be the bearer of bad news, but I didn't come all the way from Augusta, GA, to watch you play. So, needless to say, he ended up playing defensive end and not tight end. But those guys be very, very athletic. But, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to the stamina and endurance of those guys, man, Major Wright used to run around us like it was nobody's business, man. But when we put them pads on, and he started feeling like, you know, 300-pound men leaning up against him, he was like, oh, okay. I said, yeah, man, you got to be able to have endurance to get another grown man up off you. But, Brandon, I'm wishing him nothing but the best. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Good to have you here on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. A lot coming up here in just a little bit as soon as we are done. If you're listening uh, in Savannah, we got Georgia and Georgia Southern. Uh, Going to play a little baseball uh, tonight uh, down the coast. we got Lakers and Mavericks coming up 7 o'clock pregame coverage uh, a little bit later this evening. So a uh, little bit of both worlds uh, there this evening coming up. Yeah, looking forward to both those games. Do you guys see... With a win over the Pacers, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. They finally got the there. The Hawks have a winning record. Oh, my God. How many games left in the season? What, like five or six? Yeah, or but I think it, 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 it's interesting because you don't want to get into a situation, I don't think, where you're playing Brooklyn in the in the, in the the play-in mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. So I think the Hawks are 10th, which will be like 7th in the West. But winning record, got off to a slow start. Yeah. Give the Hawks credit. No, I give the Hawks credit. Every 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 year, I mean, the thing is this. Everybody thought, once again, everybody thought that the East was going to go down with old LeBron James moved on. Uh, to the Western Conference, but in the East is really, 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 really good. Top to bottom, obviously, when you think about uh, what the Celtics are doing, we think about what the Heat are doing, what Milwaukee is doing. The Hawks going to have to make sure they are active on the defensive end. But, Trey, I will say this. Trey runs Madison Square Garden. He runs that thing. He looked at the fans and said, take that L. Love, Trick or Trey. <laughs> but if you have to play Brooklyn, because right now what? And They're a half game out of the nine yes, and yes. a whole game out of eight. But the way it's looking, you could finish eight, nine, ten, anywhere. You're going to make the playoffs. The The Knicks right now are in, uh, what, are in 11th by a wide margin. They so don't get in. Yeah, so you're going to make the playoffs for the, I don't know if Kevin Thomas considers it the actual yeah, playoffs. Yeah, it's a play-in, yeah. Okay. But like, Kevin, do you like basketball? Because when it comes to when it comes to the, the when it it's comes still a one game play in, right? You are playing against the other teams to see who gets to go in and play. Well, what, about the, what about the group of sixty eight in college? You love that? No, I don't. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> here's here's my thing. When you are playing, what is everybody else doing? They are waiting for you to play so they know who the heck they're playing in the playoffs. You are in the playing game. Sorry, I mean that's 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 the way it is. All right, listen. Okay, so when the Hawks play in the playoffs, uh-huh. play in game. I'm yeah. just saying you don't want to play Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, anybody's anybody scared of Brooklyn, man. Anybody scared of Kyrie. Anybody scared of KD. They they look they they took Milwaukee to the brink last year, right? Come on, man. They can play with the best of them. Plus, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Kyrie. I play, I think now BJ has reestablished himself as the best point guard in the game. Kyrie versus uh, Trey would be a heck of a matchup, yeah, though. Because Kyrie don't want another Trey. I, I, lo- I love Kyrie. I love him with the microphone. Uh, he got the microphone uh, uh, afro. I like it. But trick or Trey, hey, listen, Kevin's gonna get some of them uh, some of them ice trays. Right, it, it came down between Trey or uh, or Kyrie. I mean, uh, um, uh, Kawhi Leonard. You know, with the Pumas. I mean, the New Balances and uh, Kevin was like, "I'm gonna go with Trick or Trey." Does he wear New Balance? Yeah. Does no, no, Trey. Really? Trey no, Trey. Oh, Trey wears Adidas, but uh, Ka- Kawhi Leonard but wears New Balance. Kevin, do you have the Kawhis? Uh no. They don't improve my vertical. Well, I will, doesn't uh, have, he, I'll he'll, say he'll, that. He doesn't wear <laughs> shoes up here. <laughs> half they don't improve my vertical. So yeah, you know. <laughs> Got it. Got if I, if I can't dunk in them, they're just no good. Yeah, I am barefoot right now. <laughs> no shoes nation. I'm t- I don't understand why people are like, I'm sitting in a chair. My feet are off the okay, ground. Just, just a I'm question. just hanging. Do you only not wear shoes when you're sitting in a chair? What, like ever? I'm like, saying like, are there ever occasions where you just kind of are walking and you don't have shoes on? All the time. Like so then why did you even say, I don't have any shoes on, but I'm sitting in a chair? Because I know that's as if that, to that, like, you out. But I mean, as if to suggest that's when you don't Like, as soon shoes. as I get home, the shoes come off. Yeah, but what about like, work? I don't, what about work? Mm-hmm. Here it comes. 
Don't do that in front of B. Listen, if you ain't never met BJ Ben, do something you don't want nobody to know. I'm just saying, look, like, no, like you and I are the only people that wear shoes up here. Hey, listen, at, at, at the end of the day, he want he want his feet to be free. I like my feet to breathe. Like the, they, 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 he like the wind in between. He like the wind in between his toes. The Golden Isles wind. They, the, hey, I just like toes. I just like that coastal breeze moving through my feet. There it What's is. wrong with that? <laughs> nice summer day. You feel the sidewalk on your feet. Come on, Ooh. man, that's wonderful. Well, we're inside. <laughs> well, I mean that's fine. Depending on where you're at in the carpet, it could feel uh, feel nice. No shoes nation, become a fan, live it, love it. Kevin's next career, he's gonna be uh, smashing grapes. And then what they do to get to make the make the wine and all that stuff, they have to smash them. I don't feet? know if we've moved past that or not. <laughs> we'll do that. I don't know. I think you can do it that way. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if do they that. want to do it that way anymore. Would you drink the same one that you smash with your feet if they told you this is what you smash with your feet? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm sure it goes through a cooking process <laughs> at some point. Huh? And at that point, my, my feet germs will have evaporated out. Either that or it's going to add some great flavor. Some great flavor. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Dasher joined us here on the program. Also, Rich Styles, Bob Herring, Kyle Glazer, and Graham Coffee. ESPNCoastal.com, our YouTube channel, at ESPNCoastal on YouTube. If you missed any of the show, we'll see you tomorrow. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network.